our cat just had a little poop and so ran downstairs very fast in a panic. <laughs> what came out of my ass? Welcome to Sneaky Dragon. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. And we are still separated uh, by uh, the madness that is 2020, uh, doing this from our own individual layers. Uh, David from his bat cave, me from my <laughs> sub bat cave. It's one, one thing below the bat cave. Wow. Uh, you're just below me. I didn't realize yeah. that. <laughs> I, what I would like sometime is to find out, like in Batman, that Alfred does have a sub bat cave that's like right below Batman's, but is like really great, like way better than Batman's. Like it's cleaner, it looks yeah. good, yeah. everything's like really upgraded because like he's just been stealing from Batman this whole time. Like all the good shit. Whenever he orders one thing for Bruce Wayne, he orders like another thing for himself, and it's just been like making his own uh, little uh, little Alfred cave down yeah, there. Yeah, Alfred the embezzler. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Good for him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way that that Bruce Wayne is paying Alfred enough. What is his last? Uh, what is his last name again? It's is it Pennyworth? Oh, so there you go. That's that should have been the clue right there that he's an embezzler. Yeah, Pennyworth pound foolish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. He knows what a penny's worth. Yeah, he was originally kind of a bumbling, big, uh, jolly, rotund character, and uh, you know would always go, "I'll solve the mystery," and you know would fall down <laughs> and that kind of stuff. And then, okay. uh, people got sick of him, didn't like the character, kicked yeah. him out. Yeah. And then he came back years later, and he was this thin, proper uh, guy, and uh, that was the Alfred that we've stuck with ever since. Hmm. Well, I guess that makes sense. It's kind of like. Nigel Bruce's Doctor Watson in the in the uh, in the uh, what's it named Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes, you know, where he plays this Doctor Wa- Doctor Watson that you you don't even believe could be a doctor because he's like a dum dum. Mm-hmm. Like, how could this person get through medical school? Well, there was less diseases back then. I think there was three diseases, <laughs> that's, but they would right. all kill you. They would all kill you if there was a breeze. As, that's right. As long as you could answer saw it off, you were fine. You <laughs> yes. could pass. You Pretty could pass much. the test, yeah. Yeah, there was no like Epstein Bar or something or fibromyalgia. <laughs> it right. was all basically what so... is it, plague or you know? Well, yes, he was a as... he was a military doctor, so you know his you know. But what he mostly saw were like you know wounds from, from you know whether puncture wounds or or yeah. or broken bones and pretty say, much old everything. Doc, yeah. Old Doc Chopper, yeah. That was, <laughs> all the same cure, cut it off. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty much. But like uh, Alfred, I think he became the sarcastic Alfred uh, in Frank Miller's uh, Dark Knight Returns. Like I don't remember him being a guy going, "Oh, good one, sir." Uh, before then, like a lot of big eye rolls and oh, that's a good plan. And like, oh, Alfred, mm, you're the only one who can talk to me that way. <laughs> and off I go. Uh, but before then, it was just like, "Yeah, here's your tea." Here, here it is. Okay, eat something. Yeah, don't then, I guess. You know, that's basically Alfred's whole job, was just to, you know, just to help Batman out. Shut his yapper. <laughs> and then and then from Dark Knight on, he's been a real sarcastic, uh, you know, puss in boots. <laughs> hmm. I did, yeah, I, I was just thinking about um, the woman character, the female, I guess she's not really an assistant to 
to Wonder Woman in the movie, but what's her name like Etiquette or something like that? Etta Candy. Etta Candy. Oh, that's, it was also that's a terrible. rotund, uh, short, yeah. uh, fall down uh, character <laughs> when um, who was always eating candy. Yeah. Uh, and oh, what was her woo was what she would always say, uh, and would follow. Uh, and she she would often get tied up, much like Wonder Woman would. Okay. And their spanking adventures. <laughs> well, I guess provided some variety, I suppose. <laughs> yep. Later on, they tried to make her a more uh, fully fully developed character, and uh, you know, there you there you are. There, it's fine. It's good. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have your hero have someone to talk to. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. otherwise you're Spider Man, and you're just uh, constantly talking to yourself like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But something I always like is uh, in the very first uh, appearance of Spider Man is the cover is him with a uh, all, holding a thief and swinging through the air and saying the world. You know, mocks puny Peter Parker, but they won't—they uh, won't—they won't give any guff to Spider-Man. And I was not like, "Well, you just told him you're Peter Parker, you fool! <laughs> you just—you just—you can't say that shit out loud, Spider-Man. Smart enough. Come on, Spider-Man. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, I don't know. Was that conversation a, a cul-de-sac that we just walked down? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I listen. I can go miles. I can go miles <laughs> deep on this. I go miles Morales I, you, on this. Well, there you go. See there. That's that's something. Well, here's the thing. In the in the most recent Spider-Man uh, movie too, yeah, yeah. they've uh, they've they've done the, uh, a way of getting him to do that, which is his suit talks back to him. He's got a he's got a suit from Tony Stark, but the suit is voice activated. Oh, sorry. So he, when you said Miles Morales, I was thinking you were talking about Spider Verse, but this is in the this is in the the MCU. Yeah, uh, in the MCU version. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got like a suit that talks back to him. Mm. So now he's got a reason to just go, oh boy, I'm scared. <laughs> like he can say things and, and again, not look like a, a weirdo, you know, uh, while yeah. he's just talking to his sentient suit, his sentient pants. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess that's a clever way to get around that problem. I mean, I guess if you, yeah, it's, it's hard. Either, yeah, either the character is nar- narrating the, the story to you and so you're getting a lot of their thoughts that way, or, yeah. Yeah, how they get away with it in Batman is for the longest time they had Oracle, who would be always like on a headset on the computer. They also do this with like Mission Impossible and every TV show. Mm. But it's the person who's at the computer just going, I'm getting a reading that they're inside there right now. Okay. And so you can't actually have the character state their feelings because they're talking to uh, someone who's helping them out, like uh, in 24, he's talking to, I guess, Chloe, I think her name is. Uh, but yeah, that's the that's a pretty standard device now, now that we've got headsets. <laughs> yeah, the guy in the chair. Yeah, yeah. I, huh. I guess that's, it feels like that's become like the sonic screwdriver of, of movies, though, the, the guy in the chair, where the hero doesn't have to do much thinking on their own. They have this person there who can guide them through... I like in the I like in the last Mission Impossible where Benji was so excited he kept getting the the map mixed up he didn't realize he had it in in two D then he oh it's three D and so then he could see the layers of things and then then he realized he had it upside down and, and <laughs> I like I like that element of it where he's just he's so green to the field that he gets overexcited and, and has some trouble sometimes yeah that's good use of Simon Pegg it is good use of Simon Pegg I mean it's not it's not like an insulting. It's not like an insult. Like I feel like Etta Candy in, in Wonder Woman is kind of an insulting role for that actress to play. Like, yep, it's a pretty useless role. And they're both from uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, the, yeah, and I but but I feel like um yeah, I feel like in in, in Mission Impossible, like you know, you have like the that kind of character, a similar kind of character, where you know the kind of light relief character. But he's it's not like it, it's not insulting. He's not like incompetent. He's just he's kind of new to the whole thing, so he's still learning learning the ropes, you know. Yeah, and I was disappointed in. I don't know which one it was. It's whatever one that Tom Cruise almost drowns and he's like swimming around and, uh, oh, and has yeah. to like change things. Uh, but like he's all messed up and they have to bring him back to life with, uh, you know, all of the electricity. Yeah. And uh, and he, he's a mess. And it looks for a little bit like Simon Pegg's going to have to drive the car. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And Tom Cruise goes, no, I'll do it. And I'm like, oh, it would have been neat to have like Simon Pegg have to do the – like one. Because yeah. like obviously – there's there's at least five other action set pieces for Tom to do. Yeah. But like to have the comic relief have to drive the car with a barely conscious Tom Cruise giving him instructions next to him. Like that sounds fun. Let's see that. But nope, just pushes him aside. Yeah. And then it's uh it's I think it, they, you know they went with the different gag, which is the the nervous passenger with the person who is who is barely conscious trying to drive a car really quickly through a through a narrow uh, city. So uh, yeah. It, it would have been kind of fun like that because, I mean, in both cases, they end up upside down in a parking lot, you know, and so why not have him have him do that? And then Tom Cruise can hop on his motorbike and do that fantastic motorcycle uh, bit uh, chasing after uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, I'm going to pitch you a movie now, and I may actually write this. So no one out there steal my movie. I feel bad, actually. <laughs> I feel bad actually doing this, but this is what I usually do. I'll actually say things out loud. Okay. I would li- I would like to see a movie. Now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do that on a podcast. Keep yeah. Th- keep saying things out loud. Well, it's just like you know, there's there's a lot of people who are like I've got a great idea and I'm not going to say it out loud. I'm going <laughs> to keep it for myself and I'll never. It's like okay, it's fine. But to <laughs> me, also, ideas aren't necessarily a thing that's really anything. It's really what you do with them and how you do. Yeah. But but yeah, but the idea of talking about the the person in the chair. I'd like to see a movie now uh, that's like called The Chairman, and it's just the people in the chairs, and all their heroes basically have been kidnapped or what have you, and now it's up to the the nerds that are usually behind the scenes, but it's them as a team that have to like, get together and like uh, deal with all this this stuff, and they they are not used to being out in the daylight and and dealing with stuff, and they've actually got to like swap swap roles, and then at some point the heroes. Uh, have to use computers for the first time and trying to figure all this thing, all these things out as well. So you swap it that way as well, and do your little comedy action movie. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So someone give us money to do that. <laughs> well, first, first, well, I guess I was going to say first write this this the uh, script on spec and get no money for that work that you do. Yeah. Well, that's standard. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. That's ba- Dave. You yeah. just described. Almost every day of the lockdown, to me, I know it's really a lockdown, but that is pretty much my life right now. But okay, okay. Continue. And then I want you to, yeah, take that script, that spec script. I want you to shop it around to people who are clearly indifferent. That's again my life. Keep, keep going. <laughs> you... Nothing you're saying that isn't Tuesday to me. All right, go ahead. I'll see if there's anything new in what you're saying. Go ahead. Uh... Well, I, no, I'm 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 stuck where you go. Okay, and so yeah, so um, then what I want you to try to do is I want you to then start thinking that you're gonna put it on yourself. You're gonna like okay raise then, the money on your on your own. Okay, fair enough. This is this is what you're you've come to right. You realize no one. I have to do this myself now. Like, are you are you suggesting that I 
uh, shoot my own trailer first. Is this what you're saying? <laughs> is this what you're saying? <laughs> I think, well, yeah, I think that's a good next step is that maybe in order to drum up some interest in it. Yeah. And maybe kind of hype yourself as well. Okay. Do your own trailer. Yeah, this, kinda, sounds, this sounds about right. Okay. Kind of the best, best of the stuff that you've done so far. Sure. Go ahead. And then uh, what I think should happen then, I think you should get some people who are kind of well-known in the industry kind of show some interest in it mm-hmm. and kind of like lead you down a garden garden path, you know, right. sort of lead you on, maybe give you more more expectations than it could possibly, you know, that, that are actually, than they could actually like fulfill, but they're going to kind of like blow a lot of smoke up your ass, you know. And... All right. So let me just suggest this. To yeah. You. Yeah. Could I get a bunch of empty promises and can at least one of those people get fired randomly <laughs> uh, mid-project? Sure. What we'll have is, yeah. Your, for no reason. Your biggest fan. Your biggest fan. Yeah. Your yeah. biggest fan. When you call back, they won't even know who that person was. Yeah, that sounds about that, right. That's how, because everyone else has gone too. It's just like a general rollover of every single person working in this place. And, uh, but then I think what should happen though is that because this person has sort of attached themselves to it, you feel kind of obligated to keep them on and it just kind of dies with them because they won't let it go. You know what I mean? They're just, they're not going to give it back to you and just kind of say, listen, you know, I can't do this right now. You you take it back and, and I'll just kind of step aside. No, no, they're just they're 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 gonna they're attached to it like a barnacle. Okay, so can I do like about three of these at the same time <laughs> so that it all gets really confusing? This one? That'd be great. That sounds like a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Write more than one. Right, write more than one. And oh, have, you have to. There's yeah, yeah. Have have Listen, several. Forget, forget write more than one. I've written at least ten of these. Okay, continue to continue with the actual. We're talking about producing the, the trailer and whatnot. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. excellent. I I don't know where to go next. I've 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 run out of I've run out of imaginary scenarios here. Sure, sure. Because this imagine, couldn't possibly imaginary. this couldn't yeah this couldn't possibly happen in real life. <laughs> sure okay that's good come with me and you'll be in a world of sweet imagination yeah it, it was nice going off on that fantasy uh, track you, you didn't see that coming did you right and let me uh, spin this other one imagine there was a plague that could be spread <laughs> by hugs by any affection that people would have for each other and every movie theater was closed oh yeah, and so on. Now they're back open again. That's true. And uh, and all showing uh, Tenet. Tenet? Tenet. Tenet, yeah. It's a, Tenet. It, is, it is an actual word. Oh, what does it mean? It's like uh it's like a a tenet is a is a belief that's part of like a, a system of beliefs, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that does I have heard that before. Yeah. Sure. So but it's also like a a palindrome on its own so it's the same forward and backwards so which okay it kind of matches you know we were talking about this last time but i did go see that movie because i would you know it looked like a lot of fun to me mm-hmm. like i like you know i like blockbusters i like small films too but I, I i'm a fan of blockbusters you know like like we grew up we grew up in like the the age the golden age of blockbusters i think okay like there was a lot of like great big movies when we were growing up and i feel like movies there's still big movies that come out now, but they're much, they're, they're not like, they don't feel like fresh. You know what I mean? Like they don't, like when we saw 
uh, in you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time, we were just like, what are we watching? <laughs> like, what is, this movie's yeah. crazy. You know, yeah, it took things up a notch, sure. Yeah. Or Star Wars, you know, or is this like, you'd never seen anything like it before. You know, like there are other science fiction movies, but nothing like that movie. Right. I mean, yeah. I sort of felt that way. And again, I'm really going back a ways. Something like Terminator 2. I remember uh, the yeah. audience going, what? Yeah. Because you've never yeah. seen that effect. I'm trying to think sure. of like recently what it would have been. You know, I mean, or something like Die Hard where you, you know, you walked out of the theater. You're just like, that was incredible. Like what a well-paced, you know, everything. It just worked as a movie, you know, and and you know how hard it is to do that when you see Die Hard 2, which I don't hate that movie, but I don't think it's anywhere near as successful as Die Hard, mm-hmm. you know, because Die Hard is just like, it just gets the template of that just so right, the, the vulnerability of, of, of the main character, the villainy, the entertaining villainy of the villains. They're not just mm-hmm. cruel monsters. They're cruel and they're monsters, but that's not all. There's a certain kind of playfulness in Ellen Rickman's performance that, you know, very charismatic performance as, as, uh, close that I don't know his name in the movie. I knew, I knew it until you, uh, <laughs> I said, gave the, said is it Santa Claus? Uh, yeah, Santa Claus. <laughs> the villain in, in the first Die Hard movie is Santa Claus in the, in the original director's cut. You find that again, like he falls from the building and then gets caught in a sled mm-hmm. that just goes underneath him. And then he goes, ho, 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 I'll be back next year. And then he flies off and he's like, ugh. And the same thing's going to happen to me next year. Ugh. <laughs> and he's uh, so upset. Hans Gruber. What about him? What about him? That's his name. Who? That's the villain. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you say so. And his brother is something else, Gruber. I can't remember what it is, but that's in the third film. It's Fra- Which maybe is yeah, spoiler, it's, it's, frankly. It's Franz Gruber. Let's, let's face it. Okay. They Remember he says to... Uh, Bruce Willis, he says, I want to blow you up. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, he does do that. That's correct. <laughs> let me yes let me yes and that. But you're right. You can't you. do the second movie because the first movie is regular cop who's got some regular fears, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, you know, is, is, is a person, is a human being. Yeah. Has yeah. to do impossible things. Yeah. And that's exciting to see. Sure. And then by the second film, it's like, he's got to do impossible things. <laughs> well, yeah, but he's done impossible things. Yeah. So that like when he's, you know, uh, hitting the ejection seat in the plane and flying, you know, going up in the air, like he should just shit his pants. Like, <laughs> it's like just, like, he, he shouldn't shake that off and be like, all right, what comes next? Like, nope, 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 nope. You're not Tom Cruise. You're not You're not a Mission Impossible. That's not you. You're yeah. not James Bond. You're a cop, a regular cop. And yes. uh, that gets forgotten. And then it gets crazy in later movies where he's running on the wing of a plane. <laughs> Stop it. Settle down. Why are you getting stronger when you get older? What does this mean? You were like out of shape in the first damn movie. Like we were like, hey, it's kind of a, yeah, it's all right. He's in, in rough shape, but he's okay. He could probably yeah. swing from that pose. And then like for the third film, he's like punching out six ninjas. I'm like, what the hell is this? What did you do in your off time? Well, you're more like, uh, what is his name in the producer's uh, credits? It's a... Yeah, possibly. This, it feels like a vanity project by that point. Yeah, now he just shows up in movies, you know, for a scene. And people go, <laughs> there he is. And then maybe he says something sarcastic, gives some information, and then everyone leaves. He's so quiet. Mm-hmm. He seems so sad. He just goes and just says a thing. And then, uh, and then he's, uh, I'm like, hey, what happened to Funny Moonlighting Guy? Remember Funny Moonlighting Guy? 
He was a funny moonlining guy. He was one of those guys. He was one of those Michael Keaton types, one of those bouncy Michael Keaton types that we all like so much. And then, uh, then uh, no, no, he's a tough guy. Tough guy McGee. <laughs> like, oh, that's too bad. Huh. I, um, yeah, I just, I think I'm still kind of haunted, not haunted, but I still keep thinking about that YouTube video I was talking about watching a couple weeks ago where it was or a week, week ago, just talking about like the idea of gonzo, gonzo blockbusters. Like just like, like the movie, you know, you can have issues with it, but you got to admit they went for it. You know, that's those sort of movies. Okay. You know, the, the one that, one of the ones that he uses as an example is Valerian, you know, like it's not a, obviously not a perfect film, but you can't deny the director went for it. Like, like he really, the money that that movie costs to make, you can see on the screen and you know, like it's so detailed. It's so, it's so incredibly, you know, intricate that you just, you just like, well, like, you know, like it's not the but best thing ever it, made, but it's, it's, it's also one of these situations where, you know, it's like, what is this thing? Oh, it's like adapted from, it's like a French graphic novel. Like what? It's like, it's, it's, so you're watching a movie and just go, I don't, I don't understand this movie. Well, it was adapted from a Japanese card game that was very popular in the fifties. <laughs> well, why, why are you bringing that to North America? There's no interest for this at all. Why would you do that? You yeah. know, it was popular in another part of the world. So they made it for North America. <laughs> no, don't do that. Just, you know, you know how they never bring the Asterix movies to North America, but the, and they're a big success and everyone's happy with that. That do them over there. And then if, People like that kind of thing. They'll, uh, you know, they'll import it, and we'll go. Ah, that's really nice. That's better than I expected. But don't you kind of wish they would bring the Asterix movies to? I guess not. Okay, you're in a lineup. Okay, you're a normal human person. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right. And you're on a date, and you're looking at your choices, and you go like, and the the person (laughs) you're with goes like, "Uh, "What do you want to see?" And you go, "Asterix." I'm like, "What's that about?" Okay, well, you know, Gaul. No. Okay. Okay. Well, you know ancient Rome. Yes. Okay. Well, they tried to conquer Gaul. They couldn't conquer Gaul because it was a druid, right? And the druid came up with a magical potion, and the magical potion uh, makes them very strong, and they beat up the Romans. And uh, and so the Asterix is a little guy, and he's uh, very strong when he drinks his potion. So like Popeye with spinach? Yes! Except he's also got a big friend, and the friend was dropped as a baby into the potion when he was a, a little baby. Well, like into a hot cauldron? Yeah, but it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. But he's uh, just strong all the time, and he's a little bit dumb. Okay. You want to see that? Hell no. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's on that's on your date. Okay, so you're going to go back the next yeah, I'm gonna uh, be like... day in the, uh, in the, and see a matinee? <laughs> no, I feel like... No, I feel like that's like... To me, personally speaking, that is like going on a date with someone, and then in the restaurant they put they break out a needle and shoot up heroin in front of you, and you're like, okay, you. Is it okay? That's that's the moment. So you know what I mean? Like that's the same thing well, to me. First of all, okay, it's exactly just say, just they're both parallels. If you're gonna say that's what's happening, just say it's Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever eaten at Applebee's? Yeah. What do you think of it? I thought the steak was tough. <laughs> It's funny, like we went there with we went there with the girl. This is a long, a long time ago. We were coming back from Disneyland, from California, yeah. and we stopped at Applebee's on the road somewhere. Sure, that's where they are. <laughs> somewhere they appear like Brigadoon. <laughs> they just come out of the mist. That's about it. So we stopped. It looked okay. 
You're like, sure it does. All Why right. not? Free refills. What are you going to do? Uh, it's going to be good enough. You know, it's going to be. It's going to oh, be good enough. It didn't even. Re- it didn't even meet that standard. Oh geez, what what did they? What did? Okay, first of all, what did you order? Well, the girls ordered uh, chicken burgers. And... Uh, okay, that's a little bit dodgy. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> well, that's. Ex- I just ordered a regular hamburger. And you were fine, right? Mine was okay. Yeah. Yes, I think, of course it was. I think Lisa did order a steak, and she she thought it was okay. Oh, she made my mistake. <laughs> it wasn't your no, it wasn't your steak. It was a uh, no. Uh, she yeah, she thought it was okay. Like she had no she had no problems. Like she couldn't understand why we like I was I looked at what the girls were eating, and I was like I was I was sad. Well, a chicken I, burger. I got very sad, very sad feeling. Like chicken burger must have come around in the eighties. Like if you ordered, if you ordered, you, you couldn't have gotten that in the seventies at Applebee's. You might have got a hot chicken sandwich with gravy, maybe. But like it's it Applebee's like has been around since the seventies. Oh, it's well, don't you? Doesn't it feel like it? I mean, I'm yes. gonna, I'm gonna now look. Uh, I feel like yeah. it's, I feel like it's a nineties restaurant. You know, kind of just like it's like really, it's like the nineties. Okay. It's like the '90s idea of of like a family restaurant. Founded in uh, 1980. Huh? Yeah. So you split the difference. Sure. We come. We get. We get Applebee's. Yeah. If you split the difference, you'll get Applebee's. Yeah, Applebee's. What do you think? You're a big shot. Applebee's. <laughs> so the girls order order chicken burgers now. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. So they <laughs> they get this like piece of like you know breast. Frozen, yeah, it's frozen, <laughs> and it's just like a huge yeah. piece of meat slathered in barbecue sauce, just slapped in the most carefree manner, as if the person working in the kitchen had thrown it over his shoulder onto the bun, mm-hmm. and then this kind of you know something thrown on top of it and given and sent to the table, and it was it was ined- inedible. Like I don't care, I don't care how much you like chicken. There's no way you could have eaten that. It was just awful. It was most it was, it it looked awful. I didn't taste it. I'm gonna assume it tasted awful. I, okay, I'm gonna. I wasn't I'm happy. Gonna, I'm gonna run uh, four slogans by you. You tell me what is Applebee's actual slogan. Okay. All right. Here we go. You t- yeah. All right. Uh, it's not eating good in the neighborhood. That's now. That's now. So this okay. is this is the old. It's okay. Okay. Um, see you tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Uh, get it together, uh, baby. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, it's a whole new neighborhood. All right. Uh, or together is good. So see you tomorrow. Yeah. Get it together, baby. Okay. It's a whole new neighborhood. Yeah. Or together is good. What is Applebee's slogan? Can I go with number four? Which was that? What was that? Together is good. The answer was number five, all of them. Those were all Applebee's slogans. I knew slogans. it. I was going to ask if that was an option. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Damn. Well, I was still right, though. So, uh, you know, I can at least I can, like, blow in my nails and polish them on my shirt as if my nails sure. need polishing. I really, like, get it together, baby. <laughs> It's, Get well, your shit together, Applebee's. <laughs> I guess the idea is that you're—it's like a, a a family restaurant or a place you go with friends, so you yeah. you get it together. Oh sure, there's also sorry. Uh, Unlike all those other restaurants, which just serve lonely people who just sit at tables by themselves, dejectedly pushing their food around on their plates with yeah, a fork. That is not Applebee's. No. <laughs> Applebee's no is <laughs> Applebee's is all for friends and family to come together and get the most insulting chicken burger you've ever been given. Yeah. Also, another slogan is "There's no place like the neighborhood." Yeah, that's garbage too. That's not it. Yeah, that really needs to rhyme, right? So, like, eat good in the neighborhood. Yeah, 
There's no place like the neighborhood. Good enough, eh, guys? Yeah, let's call it. Let's get you know, the weekend. Let's we, go. We went through this with McDonald's a little while ago. We went through all of their, their slogans. Right. And I'm kind of wondering now. At least we're not Applebee's. That was a good slogan. <laughs> that was a good one. I, I'm kind of wondering now if you need more than just a slogan. You know, like you need to have like the like the the feeling of the commercial or whatever they're trying to like sell with that with that slogan. Like okay. just by itself, it doesn't convey very much. But maybe, and I'm just I'm just throwing them a lifeline here. I'm just I'm trying to help. Maybe in context, like in in the you know with the music and the visuals, it works. You know what I mean? Like so when you sell it to the company, like when you go to the the pitch and you pitch this is going to be Applebee's new slogan is get it together baby you have you not aren't just saying that cold you've got like some accompanying visuals you've got like a, maybe a commercial maybe they did like a, a trailer they shot a trailer for it they but they you know they shoot like some some you know they give like a sense of what what the heck it's going to look like when it's on television or on the radio or whatever and the person says get it together baby like the and I think that, you know, like depending on how the announcer says it mm-hmm. or how it's presented in, in the commercial with like people smiling at each other, you know, and, and Applebee's, which I know sounds impossible, but, you know, you, you can pay people to do anything that, you know, so you, you know, you have like this happy frolicsome group and then you say, get it together, baby. Well, that that's different than just you saying it to me over over the air, get it together, baby, which out of context, this sounds like garbage, red hot garbage, mm-hmm. but maybe with you know with the, the visuals and all the rest of it, it it works i still don't like it very much but i just want to like like i feel like like all of those are bad oh yeah yeah they're all bad everyone what is- they should be is something along the lines of we're always here because that's what applebee's is it's like what do you look we're here we're consistent <laughs> just come here oh don't order don't order something weird yeah don't order don't order something weird you know don't order something <laughs> fancy don't order the seafood obviously you moron. Don't order the blackened Cajun salmon. Don't order the lemon garlic <laughs> shrimp scores. Like don't be a don't be a fucking moron. Can I, can I get the sushi plate? Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking at the Applebee's menu here right now. Okay. And there is not a chicken burger on it. I don't uh, maybe oh. they recall them. Maybe that's uh, right. That's right. Yeah, there's other chicken options. There's a Fiesta lime chicken. Don't fucking order that. Don't be a crazy person. Uh, chicken tenders platter. Yes, order that. that yes, you're actually that. right. That you reminded me. There was a recall on the chicken burgers, and because both the girls had to throw up in a box and mail it back to Applebee's. So. Sure, sure. And that's uh, that's that's how Jack in the Box got his name as well. <laughs> it was originally based on that Bo- type of situation. Boxes of vomit. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, they've got, yeah. Again, they've got like the bourbon street steak. It's just like, don't be a fool. Don't be a goddamn fool. <laughs> well, that sounds like, pretty good. Well, I, is that uh, ch- uh, cooked in like a sort of a New, New Orleans way? Like a kind of has like a Louisiana, like Cajun kind I'm, of thing? I'm, I'm sorry, sir. You have to say it the right way. Norlands. We're very. <laughs> Wait, know, did you say Norlands? <laughs> Norlands. You got to say You have to like say, it's, first thing, it's N A W L I N S. You gotta say it like you're starting to say narwhal and then stop <laughs> yourself that way. There's no R in it. Narlins. There's no R in it. It's Narlins. Yeah. Narlins. Like the actor Narlin Wayans. <laughs> That's how I remember it. It's N A W L I N S. As someone who has spent a lot of time touring yeah. small towns, sure. here's the here's my advice to anyone on the road. <laughs> well, I know what your advice is. But yeah, you do. You, you still live it. 
I generally live it. Uh, <laughs> if I have to go to, you know, if, again, because we do tour, we do tour like um, doing uh, Comic Cons. Yeah. And yeah. then you'll go to like a hotel, uh, you know, a diner. And yeah. You're like, okay, don't be a moron. <laughs> don't, don't be. Don't get tricked. What's the local cuisine? <laughs> don't, don't, don't mess around because you're not going to be getting up tomorrow morning. I made that mistake in Europe. And I just spent the, I spent like a day and a half on the floor. Like just. <laughs> what did you have? What, what did you have? Uh, I think it was a Thai chicken restaurant that was like oh, real you, you nice. Ate, you ate in a Thai chicken restaurant on, in, in Europe. We had a, we had, okay. Our host for the con, I'm not going to say who it was because they're, they're very nice people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tried to convince me that it was because I'd eaten at like Jamie Oliver's res- restaurant the night before. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't that. But me and, a, <laughs> me and another comic book person both got wicked bad food poisoning oh. from this uh, Thai chicken. And like, it was brutal, 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 brutal. brutal. <laughs> and it was, it, listen, it's not the kind of thing that I would, but it was one of these things where like, you got to try it's the, the thing that they do. To, they do so good. Oh, you gotta try it. And like, you know, no, I'm on the road. I'm gonna be boring. I'm gonna be so boring unless you know a host is like going, you gotta do this, and then I'll do that. And I paid the price. But my my thing always is club sandwich. The club sandwich is your is your especially in North America. The club sandwich. Get the club sandwich. And then look at what's fucked up on the club sandwich. Yeah. Is the bacon raw? Take it <laughs> off. Is the tomato rancid? Take it off. You still got turkey. <laughs> Working your way down. You know, you, you take one thing off and then you got a BLT. What is it? You got to take this off. It's a nice chicken chicken and bacon sandwich. You yeah. got to take the bacon off. You got a nice chicken sandwich. You got like a spare pair of toast, a piece of toast that's in there. You, you can do whatever you want with that too. You're fine. You're fine. You got enough stuff there. You can work with it. And you're going to be fine. Order the fries with it. Do not order the salad. You don't know like where the salad's been, what the salad's doing. There's too much room for failure in the salad. Get it, get out of there. Uh, and then you know, yes, ketchup on your fries. That's fine. You're probably safe. There's a lot of vinegar in there. It's probably going to kill everything. That's what you do. If you can also do a burger, but in the states, burger can be medium rare. It might be a little dangerous. Who the heck knows? And uh, chicken tenders are also okay. Chicken tenders are also okay. It's, it's hard to fuck that up. Aside from that, leave it. Just, just, just don't. So, oh, so, really? So you wouldn't go for a burger? Wow, interesting. Well, you gotta listen. You go in the states, uh, and you can get like a rare burger, which, if they're not doing the meat right, yee problems. Yee, I like it. I like a, I like a nice rare, uh, medium rare burger uh, in a restaurant that I trust. But if I'm, you know, going on a long drive. Yeah, and there's a place at the side of the road, and you gotta be, you gotta be a little careful. Gotta be a little careful. Makes sense. Man, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. So you recommend the club sandwich? I recommend the club sandwich at Applebee's. I'm Applebee's. A, I'm a little where different. The neighborhoods in your mouth. I'm a little different. Wherever I go, I always, I always go for the sushi platter. Sure do. I mean, listen. First of all, restaurant. What are there no gas stations? <laughs> Take me there. Then boom, sushi platter. Get me, get me the omakase. Get me the omakase. Uh, you, know, you go up to the guy at the counter next to the Tic Tac and go like, it's your choice, my friend. I'm in your hands. He's and like, you go, oh. let him go and select the sushi for you. <laughs> Treat yourself. That's right. They're like, okay, we got two different kinds. We got this one. It's got a... Uh... Uh, a crab, I guess. I trust you. Don't tell me. <laughs> Let my mouth okay, taste this fry. 
We got this one here. Okay, well, here's the difference between them. This one's been here a week. Okay. And this one's been here for two weeks. Which oh, aged, it's delicious, <laughs> fantastic. You, you know what you're doing, sir. You know what you're doing. <laughs> That's great. Well, what's funny is is that the oldest existing sushi restaurant in Aldergrove has been. It's located in a gas station here in Aldergrove. It's been there for as long as I lived in Aldergrove. That sushi restaurant has been there. Really? Yeah. Okay. And they well, do. That is, that... And they're apparently quite good. So it's just kind of funny. They're not in the gas station. They're in the building. Like they rent. They like a sublease part of the, the the gas station building and they have instead of a pizza place they have a sushi place there is this sushino michi what's that that's the name of a, a sushi place in alder grove that just popped up on my uh, screen oh i don't know i'm sorry i i, I don't that's know. all right there's a few, it does look, it does look quite good there's a few places that serve uh we have a think of i think we have four different sushi places here in alder grove well dave no you do not you have uh you you have at least because uh, oh my god dave yeah, I'm looking here yeah. at sushi in Aldergrove, and it brought me the 15 best matches for sushi. <laughs> oh, in wait, there can't be 15 in Aldergrove. Look, man, I don't man. know what to tell you. Okay, uh, yeah, well, yeah. If oh, there's no summer in Abbotsford. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's different. Yeah, that they okay. do that to you. They screw you around that way. I was oh, just going to say that if there's 15 sushi restaurants in in Aldergrove, you know where the where the drug laundering money is going right now because <laughs> it's not going into nail salons anymore. It's going into we used to have about. 20 nail salons here in Aldergrove and you drive by them and you'd be like, hmm, I'm sure you're legit. But uh, yeah, if there's that many sushi restaurants, I think they have some questions to answer. Yeah, I guess what we're saying is if you go to Applebee's, don't get the sushi. Don't get anything. Keep keep driving. Yeah, keep. I mean, I mean, listen, you don't go to Applebee's because you've got a choice. <laughs> you go to Applebee's because the kids are in the car and they're screaming. You're like, I'm going to get something in their yap holes. I guess. Okay, come on, let's go. Drive for 10 more minutes and see if you can find a Denny's. You'll get a Red Robins. Yeah, you'll find something. Yeah, there's lots of better places. You'll find a Stuckies. Yeah, you'll be all right, depending on where you are in the States. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I don't think I've ever eaten at Stuckies. The one the one exception to the uh, clubhouse rule uh, that I used to make was if I ran into a Mr. Mike's, which is a British Columbian steak place yep. that is not a fancy steak place by any means, uh, I would I would get the uh, salad bar to stay alive and have some greens because okay. they had pretty high standards of uh, salad. Uh, that like I mean yeah. again it was iceberg good. lettuce yeah. and other stuff, but it was it was uh, fine. It was healthy. It was all right. Hey buddy, I like iceberg lettuce. It's my favorite lettuce. Okay, that's that's cool. That's cool. Closely, that's cool, closely man. followed by romaine. Uh, I don't think they do the salad bar anymore. I'm not not because of I don't COVID. Think Mr. Mike's exists anymore. Oh yeah, it is exists. There's one in uh, well, we have one in Langley here, and there's one really? in, one in Chilliwack as well that we eat at um, every year. Well, we didn't go this year because we normally go when we go to the um, main event, the hilariously named main event. That's M A N E event. Everyone. Oh, I get you. Oh yes, it's nice. a big it's a big uh, horse demo show. So it has. It has a demo, like it brings in coaches from around the world and they put on demonstrations and, you know, just uh, various suppliers bring their stuff and they have a marketplace there and, 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 you know, and then you get different clubs and stuff that are there. It's a, it's a big deal. It's, it is a big deal. But when yeah. we go, Lisa and I always tootle on down the road, down to Mr. Mike's and we have a, and I have my favorite steak there. Okay. Do you ever get the Mike burger? I don't think I've ever had the Mike Burger there, actually. Well, Dave, if you have the Mike Burger, let me tell you what you're going to get. You're going to get okay. yourself a nice burger patty. Yeah. Now, we're going to serve that for you on fresh uh, French French loaf of bread with garlic mm. butter. 
Nice. That sounds good, actually. And wait, no, no, hold it. There's more, Dave. There's more. You've sold um, so stop, stop. Okay. I've got to tell you what's, what else we got. Sure, sure. Mike sauce. What's Mike sauce? Dave, what isn't Mike sauce? <laughs> well, if it's made by Mike, I don't know. Uh, listen, don't ask about the Mike sauce. <laughs> listen, I know that they really could have uh, come up with a better name than Mike sauce. <laughs> Just picture a guy named Mike. Yeah. First of all, clearly he's got a mustache. Of course. Right? He's a brunette guy yeah. with a mustache. Yeah. And really bushy eyebrows. Sure. So you know there's a couple of hairs in this sauce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got on a uh, he's got an old baseball cap that says uh, "Good Day A." Yeah. He's there with his friend Gord. Yeah. So now Mr. Mike's, of course, is uh, founded obviously mm-hmm. by someone named Bob and Nick. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Bob and Nick Constabaris. Oh, I guess yeah. that didn't work quite as well as Mr. Mike. So. And they uh, opened the restaurant in that uh, location uh, near. Um, the studio uh, uh, theater, I guess, uh, on uh, on Granville Street. And that oh, was the yeah. original Mr. Mike's I uh, location. I remember that there. I remember that there. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, still around, though, because we actually we ate at one in Kamloops. Uh, we were there one, one year. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I do, I did, you know. Yeah, it's I a good liked place. It, I liked it fine. They got rid of the salad bar uh, along, like, and I was going to say not, not, because of COVID, it's they, this is not part of their their new look or whatever. They have kind of a different. They're kind of more hip now than they were in the past, but they still they still make good steaks, and you know they're cheaper than the keg, and so you know it's kind of more expensive than White Spot, but cheaper than the keg, and they're pretty they're pretty nice cuts of meat actually. My personal favorite steak is the ribeye steak. So oh okay, um, they do a nice ribeye there. I would, uh, I would and now you're making me a little hungry. <laughs> The Applebee's nauseated me, and then the thoughts of my food poisoning also nauseated me. But now you brought me back around again. So well done, you. <laughs> there you go. Good job. Uh, glad I glad glad to keep you eating. Mm-hmm. We need you. We need you uh, eating. We don't want that to stop. Okay, thanks. Will do. I've been trying to I've been trying to cook a bit more uh, lately. I found an old iPad of mine, and it's got some uh, recipes on it that I really like. So I was very happy to find that. Oh, cool. So I've been uh, made a. Um, uh, what's it? Uh, peanut butter and jelly first. sandwich. <laughs> yeah, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I got these old recipes. Yeah, these old recipes. I couldn't, couldn't believe it. It's great. Yeah, I made uh, beef stroganoff last night. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, J- uh, it was a Jamie Oliver recipe. It's pretty simple, but mm. uh, it was fu- it was fun. It was nice to make, and it was like, mm. yeah, you always go like gherkins. Why are gherkins in this? But yeah, it works. Who am I to argue? Who are am they, I to argue? Are they Jamie like Oliver? a garnish? Or are they cooked in? Uh, they are well. It's not necessarily cooked in. You do stir them in okay. uh, when you're when you're making it. I see. But yeah, it uh, gives you a little crunch, a little sweet, and uh, believe it or not, it's actually uh, good. No, I, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. I appreciate I think, you believing. Me. I think a mix of, of flavors that is always kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a good mix of textures and uh, and uh, you know, sweet, savory, all of them. I also found uh, on this uh, iPad uh, the book um, Relish by Lucy Nisley. We talked about her uh, her more, more recent. Uh, book Stepping Stones, yes, um, which is he says like a fictionalized sort of autobiograph- autobiography. Yeah, uh, she tells the same story in Stepping Stones really briefly in Relish. Ah, uh, so that was kind of interesting to see. But she's also got a lot of good recipes in Relish mm. that uh, really make you just want to cook a bit more and say, mm, "Good stuff." I read a recent book by hers. I think it's called Displacement, and it's it's an account of her. It is it's autobiography. It's a count of her taking her two grandparents on a cru- yes. on a cruise. Yes. And that is a very, very disturbing 
touching story just just the just the reality of like dealing with people who are you know in in well one has dementia the other is you know just has is just sort of what do they call it sundowning you know like mm-hmm. when they get tired and obviously when you take someone on a trip they're almost sundowning right away because they're stressed out and and every, everything's different and so yeah it's a really interesting it's quite an interesting story i really enjoyed it uh her her doing what no one else in her family would do <laughs> yeah yeah it got um it got kind of shoved off to to her, and there's some, yeah. yeah, there's some very touching moments yes. in there. It's very yeah. well presented. It was a, it was a difficult story to read because you know it's like oh this isn't gonna go well, but uh, but very well done. And I like that, that I like that she kind of um in uh, um had the the excerpts from her grandpa's uh, World War II diaries to so you had a sense of who he was when he was younger. Yeah, and that and that was very interesting. Like there's that part in the story where he lands on Salisbury Plain and like taxis right up to the right up to this right up to Stonehenge in his plane because in those days it was just all open and no one there's no one there's no fence around it and no one fussing about them you know and so yeah it's just interesting anyway so yeah, yeah. Did, sorry sorry go ahead no no you you, you go you go. I was just gonna ask when did they uh when did they uh, start restricting access to the Stonehenge and make it such a fancy pants deal that someone did some druids storm it. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Some druids. Uh, yeah. Well, can druids storm it? We don't even know what they did. But anyway, so um, the, the, um, I don't know because here's, okay, here, here's two things. One is I didn't see, I never went to them until 2012. Like the other times I was in England, I never drove to the We Stonehenge. went to them in 2008 and it was all fenced off. It was all fenced off then. So. Well, not really. Was it, huh, was it fenced off? Stonehenge dropped off. Roped off, yeah. It was oh, okay. uh, it was almost an honor system uh, rope. Just like you know, but it's British people for the most part. Oh, okay. They're not going. It's even rope. more. It's even more. It's like it's like a, a concentration camp for stones. Now it's just like this big, wow, is that giant, they, is that they giant fence that's trapping these these stones. They they don't want Stonehenge to run away again. Okay. It got it's away old. once. It got away once. Oh, you know? I do like that idea. You know, that they all just formed into a giant uh, being and they just tried to walk away. Oh, that, I like it. Well, they already have legs to walk, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, but I was just thinking, like, I remember watching an episode, and I, I'm not going to say this is historically accurate, but I feel like it represents the time, which is, there's a Tom Baker Doctor Who that involves Stonehenge, and it's just open. Like, anyone could walk up to it and do whatever. Like, there's no, no one standing around guarding it or anything, and so there is, like, a a kind of a pagan element to to the story uh, and the stones are part of the the uh the the you know the ritual part of the this this pagan uh cult or whatever you want to call it okay and so yeah do they, uh, do they mention uh, who built stonehenge and why in this doctor who i don't believe so okay i don't believe so i mean maybe they did but it's probably some you know ridiculous thing like it was built by aliens or something dumb like that so you know rather than this people doing their thing, doing their crazy things. You know, it'd be cool, guys, if we brought a bunch of rocks from a long ways away and piled up in this field and made a calendar. Okay, <laughs> sure, whatever you say. Okay, so it was 1985, by the way. The site was closed to festival goers uh, who would do rituals there by high court injunction. Uh, a consequence of the end of the festival was a violent confrontation between the police and some New Agers. That became known as the Battle of the Beanfield. Uh, <laughs> and so beginning in 85, the year of the battle, no access was allowed to the stones uh, for any religious reasons. 
but yeah. uh, that got uh, overturned by the European Court of Human Rights. Uh, and yeah, they had to, uh, yeah, they, they restricted access, but people can uh, go for religious uh, reasons. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, interesting. So, I mean, it's not the only, it's not the only, like, uh, pile of stones in in England. There's a, there's one that's much rougher, and I can't remember what it's called. It's like Avebury or something like that, and it's, it's not, um, it's, it's not as, like, complete as, as Stonehenge, but you can just, like, walk around and look at stuff and walk, and look at, look, you know, walk through fields and, and check it out. So it's okay. kind of, it's kind of nicer in that way. And then, of course, we've talked about about it before but in the orkney islands where lisa's mom is from uh it has the they have the oldest paleolithic settlements in the world there so you can go there and see like scarabray and and maze Howe and and the standing stones of stennis and the tomb of the eagles so there's all kinds of different uh paleolithic settlements and and things that have been built there i think what was the other one called like brogner's ring or something like that which is a very interesting one to go to because you you can only go to it at certain times of the tide. Otherwise, you can't reach it because it's on a little kind of island that's slightly removed from the rest of the mainland. So when when the tide's up, you can't cross to to see it. But uh, yeah, and of course, uh, uh, not Maze How, but uh, Scarabray is this uh, whole village that was revealed when during a storm, this sandy uh, edge of the this cliff face fell away, and it revealed this whole village underneath underneath this uh, all this you know, sand and stuff that accumulated over time. And so, and when we first went and saw it, once again, you could like walk through it. You could lay down in these little tiny dwellings and stuff like that. But now it's oh, all wow. like, now it's all plexiglassed off, you know. Okay. They, they don't want you messing with it because yeah, obviously people doing that kind of stuff are, are slowly eroding it and destroying it and we want to preserve it. So, I mean, it's bad enough. Like they're, the standing stones are not complete because there was some farmer in the late 19th century who was blowing them up with dynamite because he didn't he was what he was tired of people walking on his land to look at them and so he decided to get rid of them and then so i think he, he blew up two of them and then he was like firmly stopped by the by the city council or the by the, by the stone cops <laughs> they came it's right <laughs> yeah everyone everyone who yeah uh sly stone from sly and the family stone came and stopped him Okay. He uh, he represents all stone, as you know. So. Okay. The first the first image that came to my mind. Yes. Was um was Fred and Barney as uh, cops, uh in the when they were briefly cops mm-hmm. in the in the seventies. Yeah. They, yeah, there was part of a series that was in the Fred and Barney meet the thing and Fred and Barney meet the schmoo era, <laughs> and it was just like we're cops. Okay, they're <laughs> cops for some reason. I don't know how that happened, but all right, fair enough. I took it in a more musical direction, as is my as is my want. Yeah, it feels like you were really like fishing for me to mention that you've got another podcast that's music based. <laughs> oh boy, I made Mary mad uh, this week. So really, what what what, what occurred? Can oh, you give us a, a subtle uh, preview. And by the way, what podcast are we talking about? Well, we're talking about Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. This is the podcast that Mary and I recorded on Friday, and she stayed an extra night. She was going to go up to Summerland. To visit her boyfriend up there who's been staying up there working on his boat they're going to launch it this weekend oh, cool. and uh she stayed an extra night so we could record the show and so that was cool and then somehow it disappeared i have no idea what happened no i know so frustrating so she was not happy and, and last night we were we were thinking about going to see a movie we hadn't quite decided on it yet but but that was out of the picture out of the 
Oh, we had to re-record the show last night, so. Oh, it's like a Bermuda Triangle of podcasts. Yeah, I know. It's kind of oh. sad. So it's always depressing when that happens because you're aware of the fun things that you lost in the in the in the losing. So. Yeah. But, it's like uh, when when you when one day when you get to heaven, they're just gonna have all the lost podcasts <laughs> there for you. So um, yeah, it kind of starts off me trying to it's like me trying to pull Mary's teeth at the beginning of the the podcast but then she warmed up and we we got we got through it all right <laughs> but uh yeah she was not she's not happy with dear old dad when i discovered that i think it was on sunday i i went to start editing it just and then i was like couldn't find it on the sd card that i thought it was on so then i went to another one and looked for it there and it wasn't there and i i kind of rotate through three of them and it wasn't on the i didn't think it would be on the third one but it, and of course it wasn't didn't, so then i used my recover program and i was you know bringing up all these old um show you know things that i taped on there but nothing nothing showed up but anyway we re-recorded it it's uh it's all good unfortunately because i did it last night i i wasn't able to finish editing it so it's it's gonna be a little late today i'm hoping it'll come out later uh, okay tonight, tonight which is thursday we're recording this thursday and it's supposed to drop on thursday so if i can get it done tonight it will still be on time just not its usual uh, punctual six in the morning self but that's oh, okay. okay that's all right i forgive well, myself good, good luck good luck to you and yes uh, hope yeah, now is, is she going to be riding on this boat uh, up there? The, I uh, assume the... so. It's a sailboat okay. uh, that Duncan made. He made by hand. Wow. Yeah, it's made with um, like slats of uh, like length of plywood that he's uh, kind of you know bent bent together and and you know on and made like a keel and a and a, the prow and all that stuff and has a has he, has he done this before? No, this is the first time I ever built one. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I was there. We went up. It, during August, sometime in August, we went up, and I think around the first week of August, we went up to the cabin, up to sorry, up to the their house there, and and I got to see the boat and it looked really good. It wasn't, you know, it was kind of wasn't near finished then. So I, uh, apparently they've like it's all been sealed and they've painted it and everything now. So Mary said it looks really it looks really nice because when, when I saw it, it still didn't have like the the gunnels or whatever they're called, the cross piece, the cross members and stuff like that weren't weren't completed yet. So it was still in the midst of it, but uh, yeah. Because it's one of those things that feels like impossible. Like so, to, to I, built make a, a boat, I, yeah. built, I built a sailboat. Yeah. No, you didn't. You <laughs> liar. You dirty liar. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my. Uh, I had an uncle who built his own house, and it was like with someone else. Nope. Just him, <laughs> and it's a regular house. Like it's a house house. Wow. Like what do you mean, just you? Like how? With my own bare hands. Shut up. Shut yeah, up. that was a day probably when people like sawed with just a normal like old handsaw yeah. and just hammered it all together. It's all nice wood inside. It's brick mm. outside. Yeah. You're just like, what are you a, a, like a, a demon? What the? What are you? What are you? What are you? No. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like that? a huge house though, right? It was kind of like a a moderate size kind of fifties feeling house, I imagine. I'm gonna go. It's about maybe half the size of your house. Okay. I mean, it's still, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not trying to take away, you know, I think it's Yeah, amazing. I mean, listen, I'm coming at him calling him a demon, so don't worry about, <laughs> you know, insulting him. He's also, he's he's long since dead. And I dug my own grave. I know you did. Of course you did. You built the graveyard. You made your own coffin. I'm sure you did. Then there was like stairway to heaven. You went like, ah, it's not good enough. I'm building my own stairway. And he just like took some beams from the pearly gates and built his own stairway to heaven. And it was like a really good one. Everyone, let's use this one from this point on. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good stairway. And uh, we went. But yeah, back when people would do that, you'd go, huh? 
but yeah, now there's still people building sailboats, so that's uh, that's kind of cool. I know it's really cool. Like, um, yeah, they have a they have some neighbors next door to them, uh, which is good because they built it in in his in his neighbor's garage, which is good because now the a house that was there in Summerland um, that was um, like Mary's in-laws' house, it is like raised to the ground. Everything's gone now. Okay, it's all been it's all been torn down bit by bit. It's all all gone and they're now going to be building a new house there um i guess that'll be finished for next summer and so yeah luckily he was he built the boat in this house next door and so he's been living in they have like a guest house on their property these people next door okay which they they kind of had like a a sort of a biggish shed and they they um they kind of they made it into like a habitable living space which they rent out like as an airbnb but they can't be doing that right now because of of COVID and everything. So, so, um, Duncan was, was, um, well, paying them, but he's been staying there. And so he's been up there for quite a while and yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Oh, neat. No, that's very, very cool. I, w- I want pictures. I said, so hopefully I'm sorry. I'm having my wife a phone because, uh, I, uh, I just got a text from somebody, but she's, she's, she's on it. She knows what she's doing. Everything's just fine. That's good. Glad someone yeah. does. Again, I've, I know people who built their own computers too, and that also seems to me to be crazy. There was a, the, I had a, a not an uncle, uncle, yeah. but I had like someone who you call an uncle, yeah. and he built his own computer when uh, when and again, this is the seventies. This yeah. is like the yeah. uh, mid seventies. So like it was this gigantic um, wall, yeah. like you remember a giant wooden wall, and then there was this big screen, and it just had those. Uh, you know, like the opening of the outer limits with that uh, the the waves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? it, th- like, that was on it. Like an oscilloscope. Yeah, oscilloscope, exactly. And so it was that. And then he built his own pong machine. He just went, I'm not paying for this. I'm going to make it. <laughs> and so he made one. That's great. Yeah, and uh, he did that. And then um, uh, for Christmas that year, uh, he built his own R two D two for his kid. Wow. He just the kind of guy who could do this kind of stuff. Well, those, then, those were the I days was, when uh, when Radio Shack meant something, you know. And then I was the asshole, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, I was the eight-year-old who just went, oh, my God, your dad made that. That's amazing. He, th- he thought Santa made it. Well, tell me that then. <laughs> didn't give me that and like, boo, you for saying this. The, well, you didn't fill me in on what I was supposed to lie about. You know what? That's... It's more impressive that it was your dad. Yeah, it is. It's more impressive than if Santa got an elf. To make you know an R two D two, so stop it. I guess everyone you're... stop it. Grow up, says the eight year old as I storm out, <laughs> grabbing a little bats fifty on the way out. If anyone needs me, I'll be drinking in the shed. <laughs> also built by hand. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to know that. Smash the little bats <laughs> on the ground. Hey, don't waste that. We were made that labats ourselves. <laughs> How'd you do that? Brew my own beer. Actually, I bet he did. <laughs> yeah, I used to love to go to Radio Shack and look at all the. Bits and pieces, like the circuits and things they sold, and like, like yeah, you could. I my friend next door built his own computer from from Radio Shack parts as well. I like, used to, I used to. I'll just really say this dumb story really fast. Sure. Which was, uh, I was working for Popular Mechanics for Kids, the TV show. Yeah. And the dumbest, the dumbest thing that I uh, had to write about, like we had these things where it was like how to make your own like uh, bat house and how to make your own. 
a little aquarium that you never need to feed anything and it would be self-sustaining for you for years and it's like all this stuff it was pretty pretty good yeah but like at one point we had to make a robot i'm like oh we'll find out how to make a robot and i have to write of course basically a little skit around this yeah and it was like how but you also have to incorporate how to make the robot so i had to find out and they said like here's what you do uh you go to radio shack and get a robot kit and i was like <laughs> no you don't yeah that's awful what do you mean get a kit yeah. Show me how to make a damn robot. Don't give me a get a kit. You don't like with the bat thing. You don't go go to the go to the store and get a bat house kit. And that's <laughs> it. That's how you do it. Just get a kit. Yeah. yeah. Fuck off. Fuck off, William Randall Hurst. <laughs> that's what I say. By the way, all your hosts are going to be famous in the future. Bah. It's going to be Jay Baruchel and uh, Eliza. I forget her name. Cuthbert. Cuthbert. Yeah. They're not. They're nice. And they're all going to do well. Okay. Back to you, Dave. Is she related to uh, the sportscaster Chris Cuthbert? Uh, is uh, is the sportscaster uh, Canadian? Yeah. Sure. Let's go with that. I know she's I know she's from Greenfield Park, which is where I'm from. Oh, okay. Know that much. Huh. If you look at uh, people, uh, this sounds dumb, but like if you look at like famous people from Greenfield Park, yeah, they don't have too many. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm there, and so is she. She more more so. Well, stands to reason. Stands to reason exactly. What are you saying? <laughs> just saying uh age uh beauty before age uh, that's that, that sounds fine let me see who's her who's her dad uh uh calgary uh, daughter of the housewife patricia and kevin on automotive design oh engineer. yeah well nah, not not uh, no sir no that's fine it's more it's more admirable that she's not related to someone who is already in the entertainment field so oh by the way it doesn't say uh famous it says notable i'm notable a notable yeah. yeah, there's not very many famous car designers, I guess, besides that uh, oh, Chip gross. Foss or whatever his name is. Oh, there's one guy there that's really gross. I don't want to be him to be from where I'm from. Um, it's uh, Stephen Crowder, that guy. I don't know who that yeah. is. Oh, that's good. Uh, he's a he's a right-wing uh, uh, American political commentator. Uh, if you've ever seen the meme... So wait, he's uh, a, did you say he's a right-wing American commentator? Yeah, he does his stuff in America, so I guess like he, he changed to American... Uh, but he was he's from Greenfield Park, uh, but he's a comedian. I'm putting that in big quotes. Um, but you've you've seen him uh, and uh, you've seen the meme where he's sitting in a park behind a table. And it's like uh, whatever, whatever thing is on the sign, uh, something, something prove me wrong. And you, you, if I show it to you, you'll go, oh, that that meme. It's like, yeah, he's a meme, he's a meme. But he's also just an ass, like a real oh, flipping ass. That's that's a shame. Okay, Elisa Cuthbert, great. Yeah. Uh, this guy, an ass. Me, I'm in the middle. In the middle, I'm balancing it out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, have you heard of Paul Addy? He's a hockey player. Anyway, he's no, from there too. No. Yeah. That's good. That's good. That's uh, pretty good, I guess. Ugh, ugh gross. So I'm so upset to find out that he's. Uh, ugh. Okay. Yeah. The original, the original uh, thing of him with his coffee cup sitting in a park with a sign in front. Uh, was um, male privilege is a myth? Changed my mind. That was the original sign that he uh, that he had, and uh, people have just redone it over and over. And okay, over. okay, yeah. I don't Ugh. think I've I don't think I've ever seen it, but uh, you know, yeah, but you have if you've been on the internet. <laughs> I've been on the internet. Hard, I know it's kind of hard to avoid. I've been but, on the okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, the less said about him, the better. I'm walking away. I'm backing away. Okay, it's the Applebee's of people. <laughs> I hope his nickname is Clam. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I 
if it isn't, it is now. <laughs> and that'll now be on Wikipedia. The Sneaky Dragon podcast na- nicknamed him Clam, <laughs> which he's tried to change, but it just stuck. <laughs> Ironically, he came up with the Urban Dictionary word name for Sneaky Dragon. That bastard! Like, oh, well, finally, payback. Payback, my friend. <laughs> I, sweet, sweet payback. I'm with you now, if that's the case. No, it's all, uh, it's all, it all is what it is. He's, uh, he's, he's there. He's over there. He's doing his thing. It's all, it's all fine. And it's all fine. It's all fine. Um, <laughs> is it, uh, here, I want to tell you something. I would like to hear it. Go. This is a bit, this is a little musical story for you. This is true. It's a bit of, it's right. a bit of musical news. Are you going to sing it like Hamilton? I am going to speak it like David. Okay. So, uh, I'm going to speak it like Kitchener. So, um, this is the news. It says fans have flocked to a church in Germany to hear a chord change in a song which lasts for 639 years. It is the Ooh. it is the first chord change to as slow as possible. The song is called As Slow as Possible in 7 years. The song by avant-garde composer John Cage is one of the world's longest and slowest pieces of music. The piece began 19 years ago with a pause lasting nearly 18 months. <laughs> the change of chord took place on the specially built organ on which the composition is being performed. The St. Bertardi Church in the city of Halberstadt started playing the song in 2001, and the last note change took place in 2013. The score is made up of eight pages of music to be played at the piano or organ very slowly. But the wait for the next scheduled chord change will be quick in comparison with, uh, with, uh, so it'll be in on the fifth. Sorry, on the fifth of February, two thousand twenty-two, slated as the date. The song will end in twenty-six forty. Cage, who passed away in nineteen ninety-two at the age of seventy-nine, wrote the piece in the nineteen eighties. Crazy, hey? And when it's done, will someone yell one more time? <laughs> Encore! I can't see Encore! Bravo! Encore! And when that guy died and went to hell, they went, <laughs> why? And they went. You know why. You know why, you trickster. You know why. But here's the thing: like, can't anybody then make us a, a longer, slower song? Yeah. Like, can't that? Can't they just immediately do that? Like, that seems like an easy record to beat. I guess, but I think if one person's done it, I think it'd be hard to convince someone else to like undertake it. You know what I mean? When like, you you've are... got to, you have to find a venue that's willing to have your music playing in it for basically 630 years yeah that's a tough gig to book yeah like like you know like the first time like the first place the first person who approaches you know a venue that's amenable to this they're gonna be like yeah that's a kooky idea i i you know i know you're conceptual he's the one who did uh that that piece i think it's called four minutes and 39 seconds do you know that one by john cage nope it's uh four minutes and 39 seconds of silence so it's performed with the pianist sitting at the piano doing nothing for four minutes okay. and 39 seconds. So he is a conceptual composer. He composes based on like kooky ideas and then he then he does it. So this is a kooky idea, the idea of eight pages of music that lasts 639 years. And so when he approached this church, they're probably like nuts, but you know, who else has done this? Nobody. So that's kind of, this yeah. is kind of fun. Now, Joe, you know, Joe, uh, your Joe Blow, your regular, your regular variety garden, garden schlub. Do you think Joe Blow and Joe Schmo know each other? I hope so. 
Because their names rhyme, and it would be great. Yeah, it'd be weird. I I bet they get each other's mail quite a bit. (laughs) I don't know about that, because their addresses are different. Are you saying that? Oh, that's true. Are you saying that mail is is delivered on the basis of names? Yeah, well, that's one of the criteria. It's sort of, but no, you can get other people's mail at your house if they if they use your address. Oh, like we still get mail for a person who is long dead who lived in this house. You get ghost mail. It's not ghost mail. It's it's mail for this person who has sure? now passed away. Maybe it's meant for his ghost. I don't know. Well, you got okay. Feel free to open it up and see if it's something that you would say to a ghost. Like okay. if it was something oh. like you know, you uh, could... ha, ha, how's how's the afterlife? Yeah, treating you. Or how's, how's it going? Please say hi to Jimi Hendrix for me. <laughs> if it's... stuff like stuff like that, you know. Oh, but if it's a laundromat that specializes in washing sheets, yeah. Okay. Uh, deal on chains. Deal on it's chains. like not yeah, for yeah, your yeah. tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Sure, sure. Ouija, okay. Ouija, Ouija board maintenance. Because normally when we get them, we just put them in the garbage. And I don't. Oh, I don't, that, Dave, I don't, that's just making more unfinished business. I don't open them because I. It's not none of my business. But I, unfinished business. Well, now it's. I didn't realize it was unfinished business. I just assumed as he has passed away that he no longer needs his mail. But I don't have the right to open his mail to read what the mail is. Can you just picture though him in his in the afterlife and he's just waiting by the mailbox and he's just like, what the heck? what the what the what the, and and then he keeps turning to a guy and goes, do you think this might be my hell? And the guy just goes, I don't know, I wrote the longest song in the world. And he went, ah, I'm in hell. I am in hell. And then and then he gets the Twilight Zone trumpet. <laughs> that was that what they played to indicate the twist. Yeah, well, the ironic that was, twist of fate. That was in the the episode that's like one of my favorites, which is the one with the gambler who dies and goes to the afterlife and he starts gambling and he always wins. Oh, okay. And like all the girls love him mm. and everything's great. That's great. And he keeps playing. He, he can't lose. And then he finally goes up to, you know, the kind of Sebastian Cabot type guy and just goes, you know, what do you, what do you call this heaven? And the guy goes, who said it was heaven? And then the trumpet goes, <laughs> who got that Charlie always, Brown teacher in here? Yeah, and my thing always is, you know, uh, I was like, oh, he's oh no, and he's so upset about this, and it's just like, okay, but you probably got a guy who's being tormented, like in another section of hell, getting poked with pitchforks, and just going like, can I be in the hell with all the nice food and the ladies, and you know, <laughs> the ironic, oh no, I can't enjoy things enough, you know, while I'm over here getting poked. You know, shut up. Shut up, complaining. <laughs> yeah, it's all pers- perspective. Shut up. Quiet, you. You're right. It's all perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I think uh, I, I, th- I think the afterlife, it'd be funny, you get to the afterlife, and the first thing is just like, well, ready to begin your podcast? I'm like, wait a second. Is this a clue that it's heaven or hell? <laughs> oh, there's got to be. And it's just like, can I have a drink? I'm sure you can have a drink. What would you like? Uh, Coke, please. Is Pepsi okay? I don't know. It's still, <laughs> mm, I'm not sure if this is just, Does... I'd like some Sour Patch Candies, please. How about some generic uh, jelly <laughs> babies? How about, how about some yeah, jelly I say, How about some Swedish fish? Yeah, that's what? Sweet. The fish are good. By the way, after the show, we're all going to Applebee's. Okay, oh, I get this it. This is it. <laughs> and it's chicken sandwiches on the house. <laughs> Did no one hear that trumpet thing and go, 
too much. I don't know. I'm just too picturing much. like a guy who's got a gig in hell. And he just plays the trumpet ironically for people. Yeah, yeah. When they walk, and he just goes run up to somebody. Huh? huh? Now? Uh, no, not now. <laughs> Shut up. Get back, back away, back away, back away. Well, I'll tell you when. I'll tell you when. But that trumpeter came up. Are, are, are you sure we're in heaven? Yeah. Well, I mean, Gabriel has a. What is it? He's got. A, he's got a horn, right? I don't know what kind of horn Gabriel has, but I know Gabriel blows his horn. Whoa. So you know, they sounds, got uh, instruments in. Sounds both like places. a euphemism. Oh well, I guess that would be heaven. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so here's, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I'm going to move on to the letters because I don't think that's it's going to get better than Gabriel blowing his own horn. <laughs> are you are you down with that? Sure, if you want. That's okay. fine. That's fine. Because uh, you know it's been uh, it's been an hour twenty. Okay. Um, so question. <laughs> but has it been a valuable hour and twenty? Like have we? Well, when, uh, have we given? Criteria, yeah. That should be our criteria. Do we well, give then people? We gotta do a different podcast. Jerry. Oh dear. Okay. Never mind then. <laughs> okay. Carry carry on. Uh, questions of the week we asked last time. Uh, do you feel like a fully grown adult? Uh, what does that mean for you? And the sub question of the week was: What's the worst book to movie or TV show adaptation? Hmm. Uh, that uh, you know. What's your what's your opinion on that? Let me click on this, and my computer's so slow. There we go. Uh, Todd writes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I happened to see the movie adaptation of Murders in the Rue Morgue. Oh, you're talking about that in last last week's show last yeah. year, and can confirm it's pretty bad. <laughs> it Both sounded bad. bad. <laughs> yeah, uh, it should have just been called Going Ape. <laughs> both as an adaptation and as a standalone film yeah as dave alludes to the plot is completely different in the original story a sailor keeps an ape as a pet ah. but it escapes and mm. ends up killing two women uh, more or less by accident yes in the movie bella lugosi plays a mad scientist who tries to find a human woman to mate with his pet killer ape in order to prove the theory of evolution what that's huh yeah. Somebody sounds like it might be a fun B movie, but it was pretty boring. <laughs> okay. Usually, movies uh, like that you need Mystery Science Theater three thousand to get you through it. Mm-hmm. As for bad comic book adaptations, there's been a lot of bad Alan Moore adaptations over the years, but The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen stands out for me because it, because it could have easily been a much better film. Mm. The original comic has a very straightforward, action-oriented plot. It could have been directly adapted to film without too many changes, but for some reason, uh, I guess it's Sean Connery. Uh, for some <laughs> reason, they changed everything around anyway, usually for the worst. Oh well, I did at least kind of like how they had Dorian Gray as an indestructible man, just as long as you don't harm his portrait. And on that note, the yeah. original League comic book had Dupin, uh, the detective from Rue Morgue, appear when the group goes to Paris. Dupin thinks the murderous ape is back, but instead, it turns out to be Mr. Hyde. Naturally, they left uh, him out of the movie. That'd be funny if Dupin always just decides it's an ape. Just like just go yeah, to the He got it right once, so that's his, the rest of the rest of his life. He just goes yeah. to that like, over and over again. Yeah, they're trying to solve yeah. the Jack the Ripper murders, and it's just like, well, this is precision tool scalpel. We think it might be a doctor ape. No, it's not an ape because the ape can't. First, okay, the ape wouldn't have a scalpel, and he wouldn't be like ape. Oh, forget it. He's almost ape. <laughs> Uh, Edward, uh, can, I, can we, we let, let's not move on yet? Oh, please go ahead. Let's not move on yet because that was Todd, right? That was, yeah, Dave, it was Todd. Uh, Todd was uh, brought up a, uh, a great movie as an example of a terrible movie, which is League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That movie is awful, an awful movie. And I heard you whisper in an aside, 
as if you were speaking to a ghost who wrote wrote a long classical piece of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Connery. By the way, I think you're confusing our two characters. Oh, uh, and that like the there wasn't a ghost who wrote the music. The ghost is in hell. Yeah. The, the uh, sorry, sorry. The person uh, the person who wrote the music is in hell. Yeah. Uh, the ghost is waiting uh, for for me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The ghost the ghost is waiting for mail. But and he, then runs into the he guy. He ran into the guy. The and that's oh. when he realizes, oh, okay. oh, I'm in hell. And that's when, wah, wah. and then the guy goes, that note could be longer. And he goes, shut up, you. <laughs> it still doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, okay. okay. Uh, so Sean, you say Sean Connery is the reason why that movie went off the rails? Well, I mean, he's the he's the big star in it, right? Okay. So, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, we got to put the focus on him and do this. I mean, there's there's 97 reasons why that went south, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it was like most Alan Moore things. There was a lot of sex to it and a lot of, you know, there's a lot of dark, sexy things in, in Alan Moore work that, you know, if you're trying to make an action packed, you know, uh, summer movie, you don't want that. You don't want, uh, you know, Mr. Hyde getting rapey with the with the with the woman from uh, Dracula. I mean, that's Mina, not that's Mina Harker. Mina, Mina Harkness. Harker. Yeah, you don't want uh, any of that business going on. So you know, they do their own thing, and uh, there you go. And somehow the Nautilus rises uh, much, much uh, like from the, the, not even enough room for it to have been under that water. What are you talking about? And then, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they make some strange choices. So who did Sean Connery play in it? Uh, oh, uh, Quartermass, Quartermass, Quartermass. Yeah, I was yeah. going to go the same person. Richard uh, Chamberlain played in uh, in, in that uh, King Solomon's Mines. Yeah, yeah, awful movie. movie. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, then of course the the decision to switch out because of course Alan Moore wrote it as a, as an Englishman. He included you know characters from British <laughs> British literature uh, because it was made for an American market. They decided to throw in Tom, uh, Tom Sawyer for no particular reason. Yeah. And that was awful. Awful. Yeah, like you could have, because again, yeah, there were the Tom Sawyer detective stories, but eh, yeah, it wasn't that. He was just a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty pretty terrible film. But anyway, okay. What is uh, what Edward is that Gansky Gansky responds to this oh, saying, okay. uh, counters this. Oh. goes, hey, Todd. Uh, he says, he doesn't say that. Uh, I've never been able to put my finger on it, but there's something I like about the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. What? Not, not love, just like. Okay. It's true it doesn't live up to Moore's vision, but I think it's just the basic premise of the idea that a group of characters from classic literature band together to fight evil. I've even taken it a step further in my imagination. Uh, headcanon is what they call that now. Uh, <laughs> that uh, the League would be ever-changing throughout history with other literary figures joining together. I can only imagine Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Phileas Fogg, uh, John Carter, Robinson Crusoe, Willy Wonka, or the Three Musketeers, each during their respective eras, carrying on the tradition as gentlemen of the league. Uh, maybe someday they're du- they'll dust off the idea and give it another go. Edward, there is nothing stopping you from doing that, aside from Willy Wonka. They are all public <laughs> domain. Have at it. Yes, most, it. That, is, that is the one criteria that, uh, that Ellen Moore followed when he wrote the stories was that the characters were public domain characters and did not Until then require later and then you had harry potter showing up and uh mary poppins who mary poppins is god in the in the uh in the in the book so, so uh, how, how does he get around that did he did they claim it as don't, parody don't, don't parody? say don't say the names just don't say the names uh... and i think there was something about like he didn't he didn't 
Colson. Uh, there was another character called Bond, but he was, but he wasn't James Bond. But it was a little wink, wink to you know James Bond yeah. by having another character called Bond. Yeah. Look, man, there is a there is a deep dive you can do on that book. That's just that I'm not going to be part of. But it is. <laughs> It is a deep, 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 deep dive. There's a lot to that. I would like um, to find an omnibus version of that. You can, and you will uh, see in a year. I'll see you in a year because there's a lot to read there. I actually had um, <laughs> I had a large, uh, two large volumes, like very big volumes, okay, of the of the first two uh, collections, I think. And uh, yeah, they did have extra details and whatnot in there. Yeah. It does take multiple readings to go, huh? Yeah, and then you got to yeah. look it up and go, who's that? And who's that in the background? And what's this sign? <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I I read the first one. Yep. But just because of my, you know, my, it got harder for me to like collect floppies, and I I kind of, uh, I kind of fell off the bus at some point and couldn't couldn't keep couldn't keep it all yeah, together. I, I think I think I ended up selling uh, during a rental crisis. I think I ended up selling uh, the collections I had, mm. uh, but they are you know they are available. They're floating out there. Oh, um, Sarah Walsh writes, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, <laughs> I want to be like you. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I want, oh, no, it's a good ape. <laughs> I killed us. <laughs> king Louis. Oh, and he pardoned himself. Well, he could. He's a king. <laughs> that's the thing that he can do. All right. Huh. Um, I actually know what the exception that proves the rule means. Very good. Oh. We talked about that on the show. Yeah. Um, let's say you see a sign that says free parking on weekends or no right turn on red. 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, that is an exception that proves the rule. The rule is that it costs money to park there on weekdays, or it's okay to turn right on red any other time except the time specified on the sign. The fact that there is a specific and clearly posted exception proves, Your Honor, uh, that there is an <laughs> equal and opposite rule. Obviously, it can get a little fuzzy or confusing at times, but as far as I can tell, that's what the phrase is supposed to mean. The one exception is so specific and explicit that it logically suggests the opposite rule uh, under all other circumstances. Sarah, you have proved this. And that is the exception in this show to proving the rule because we do not normally prove things that we say. No, we, we just don't. talk a lot of shit. And, uh, <laughs> and then and when anyone questions us, we just we shut it down. Uh, yeah, we always say like we never said that. What? What are you talking about? No, we're just a humble little cooking podcast. Anyway, <laughs> back to how to make poached eggs. Um, Regis writes, hi. All right. Hello. Um, hello. I, uh, I appreciate the hi. Uh, I asked the question, uh, did I have to answer it? What a dilemma. Okay. <laughs> uh, your answers are very interesting. You both seem to be very down to earth. Uh, and you listen to others. Maybe or surely the ability to listen to others is what's making us adults. Ah, uh, this is the... Do you consider yourself a full-grown adult? Yeah. Uh, and that's the reason why I'm asking the question. Anyway, <laughs> David is completely right. The Mac is the John Deere of computers. John <laughs> Deere was a visionary like Steve Jobs, uh, created new revolutionary products like the Plow and the Gator. Uh, Plow and the Gator. I wonder what was that. This is in there. Uh, had they're, a, they're, two, they're two different things. Oh, why are they very good? Had they're, a, they're a Plow uh, and then the, you know the Gator. The Gator's like that small kind of, um, it's like, it's almost like a very small pickup truck. It has like a tilting, like a tipping uh, bed in the back for carrying things. And then you can sit in the front and drive. It's like a kind of smaller you know, version. You describe it. I know what you're talking about, but I did not know from the name Gator. Yeah. Uh, it had an innovative and disruptive design. They're a rounded cabin, expensive and ended with a closed system. 
those long forgotten times where you can change your tractor oil filter or add memory to your MacBook by yourself, sheesh. And please <laughs> don't get those two confused and add oil to your MacBook, you know, or add memory to your tractor. That yeah. becomes sentient and it's all like, ooh, Transformers. Oh, <laughs> um, or, and uh, other people have used this joke, Transformers. Um, oh. For, for the, in the long sense, I came up with that joke. Uh, for Futurama comics, unfortunately, Corner Gas came up with it, uh, and it aired like about two months before my comic came out. I've always felt bad about that, but I had no idea about that. Anyway, both came up with it. Anyway, um, for my sub question, well, you know what they say: great minds think alike, and you did too. Sure. Um, for the sub question, my brain refuses to cooperate. Uh, <laughs> that too used to be manageable by myself. Darn memory problems. Maybe it will uh, pop up before the end of the week. Maybe it will. We'll see. We're getting to the end of these letters, though. Lisa <laughs> writes, and Lisa, you know, because you're married to Lisa and you what? love her. I but do. I'm still going to read the letter, goddammit. Yep. You're too close to this one, Dave. You need some distance. That's <laughs> true. I do. All right. For the question, do you feel like a fully grown adult? I have to say no. I've always looked younger than I was, had a retiring personality and had parents who were maybe a little overprotective as well, and lived in a rural environment. So my exposure to the big grown-up world was maybe not as expansive as it could have been. I graduated from high school younger than most and ended up returning to pick up more classes. I never felt older uh, than the second group I graduated with, although I felt younger than the first group I graduated with. After university, when I got my current job, the bulk of the rest of the staff were a full generation ahead of me, most with a few years, within a few years of retirement. In the specialty group I worked with, I was again much younger than everyone else and the only one without a master's degree. I have spent literally decades feeling like a little kid amongst a bunch of adults. Uh, then a few years ago, I was at a meeting slumped in my seat doodling, thinking to myself, why am I here? When someone made a comment about something unrelated to the meeting and I realized that I was easily 10 years older than everyone there. Even now, more so in some cases, it was a shock. I had gone from being the little kid at the table to being the elder statesman, but I still didn't feel like a grown-up. However, it changed my perspective a bit. There are a lot of very competent young people out there. That's interesting. It almost like is the idea of a Twilight Zone episode where you start drawing, and when you get to the end of the drawing, you look up and you were 10 years older than everyone there. <laughs> and the only thing you can do right now is burn that piece of paper and then... DH and uh, it'll all go back. So, or maybe you're in hell and it'll just go like oh, my mistake. Um, did you want to comment on anything Lisa said there, Dave? I love her. Oh, there you go. Um, Mix it. I love my wife as well. <laughs> yeah, I love you, and I'm going to say that to the world. <laughs> there we go. She's playing Animal Crossing. Hope she's waving flags while she's saying that. She thinks I'm the cat. Um, <laughs> Mix says, "Hey, gents." Uh, great question, Ari Adulthood. I think you answered it perfectly between you. For me, I have never felt like I lost the ability to see the world from the perspective I had as a child. Even though I have long since had to adapt to the often mundane obligations of adult life, paying bills, lodging tax returns, etc. I found that nothing pushes you into adulthood more ferociously than parenthood. Uh, I guess it's another hood. Uh, <laughs> primarily because you're no longer the center of your own selfish universe, which is ultimately a good thing but also because you feel tired most of the time. <laughs> uh, now, ironically, given the above discussion, 
on to uh, the much more important topic of worst comic book movie adaptations. Yay. I remember wanting so badly to like Tank Girl when it came out in 95. I ended up inadvertently seeing it four times at the movies with various different friends and left every time thinking it was uh, just a bit of an ambitious, tonally inconsistent mess. Good soundtrack, though. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, a line I like most in there is like, I've got two words for you. Brush your teeth. Uh, and I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Uh, you know, it's worth a, it's worth a C. Okay. Visually, it's worth a C. Mm. Uh, and it's probably not even worth referencing a Superman 3 or 4 or Batman and Robin or Ang Lee's joyless adaptation of the Hulk with a virtually lifeless Eric Bana. Uh, that is all. Uh, uh, um, I don't. Did we mention this last year? What uh, the Ang Lee Hulk feels like? Did we talk about that at all? I don't know. No, I, I don't know who said it. It may have been uh, someone in this room, honestly. Um, but uh, but they were saying how uh, that version of the Hulk uh, really comes across as a DC movie. Okay, it's got that, it's got that kind of feel to it. How do how do you mean? Um, kind of bland. <laughs> it's got it's yeah. It's like it's 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 really a bummer being the character. Like okay. It's a, drag, it's a drag. Yeah. It's a bit more violent than it should be. Um, it's a really confusing CGI ending that doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. And uh, and yeah, it's just like kind of all over the place. And then and then there's weird times where they break things into panels, and all of a sudden they're doing this thing that they don't do for the rest of the movie. Yeah. It's just like this weird stylistic choice. That's I did. Like, I did like that when they used it. I just it was, but they should have used it more often, or not at yeah, all. One I of think, the two. I think inconsistent style. Yeah. Is is a trademark to me of DC uh, <laughs> movies, like the Shazam tonally all over the place, things like that. Um, so yeah, it felt more like a DC movie. Um, Chris Roberts writes, uh, I'm going to go out on the limb here and say, I have uh, never seen a halfway decent live action Batman movie. Whoa, Chris, big statement. Here we go. <laughs> never. I tells you, okay, Chris, no need to yell, but not even, uh, the, not even the, the dark Knight. Well, let me, let me keep reading and also we'll see. I'll admit a fondness for the Adam West effort. Mainly for the some days you can't get rid of a bomb scene. Well, you didn't <laughs> like that in the third Nolan movie. Same scene. <laughs> um, but, uh, well, he couldn't uh, understand when he when when uh, when he said that that guy. Some <laughs> days you can't get rid of a bomb. Are you talking about the previous uh, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever? Oh, good one. Uh, but the others <laughs> felt all fell way short of their potential. Yeah. On TV, the animated series and Mask of the Phantasm caught the true spirit of the character and the mm. world of Batman far better than any of the much ballyhooed blockbusters. Take that, Burton and Nolan. <laughs> yeah, I like Mask of the Phantasm quite a bit. Um, your question also got me, though I do remember uh, after we watched Dark Knight, Dave turning to me and going, that was a really good movie. <laughs> uh, your question got me thinking about the I was best, surprised. I was surprised. Yeah, best comic to movie adaptation. Well, Scott Pilgrim, obviously, but I'm excluding uh, that one on the arbitrary grounds that the movie and the latter volumes of the comic were developed separately. So the filmmakers didn't have that material to uh, draw on. Eh? Thanks. Eh? Oh. Uh, instead, let's hear it for The Death of Stalin, one of the funniest and sharpest movies of the past few mm. years, yeah. and a great candidate for some fansplaining if you're in the mood. <laughs> I didn't know that was based on a comic. I didn't know that either. That's, that's curious. Uh, no, that's very curious. That is uh, a good movie. It's a fun film, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a lot okay. of a lot of uh, scenery chewing in that movie. Is that directed by uh, any of the In the Loop folks? Is there a connection between those those uh, those guys? I don't know who the In the Loop folks are. Uh, it's uh, the person who also did um, uh, Veep and uh, oh, let's just see, The Death of Stalin. Got it taken out. Uh, I know that you've got uh, another letter to to read anyway, so this gives me a little chance to do. Okay. Would you like me to read an email while you do that? I would love it because my computer is so slow that nothing's coming up. Okay, so uh, this is an email from, from Ed Dragansky. Yay! Ed decided to he answer... He came in last! Oh, he did it! <laughs> he did it Anna again! Jones did it! Oh, sneaky Ed. Well played, Ed. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. He says... so. He, he has headlined his email, so I'll read the headlines and then the body. Right. So, do you feel like a fully grown adult? What does that mean for you? Ed says, I've never thought that being an adult should be defined by what one's interests are. Instead, it's defined by dependability and knowledge. I feel that as far as interests go, I still seem to get excited about the same things I liked as a youth. My spin on this is that I've taken drawing, designing as a hobby that I enjoyed as a youth, and turned it into my career. I'm not sure many have the luxury of doing that, but I've always, but I've always known what I wanted to do for a living. I guess turning that one thing into a chance to support oneself and the others who depend on you takes it to some level of being fully grown. Dependability has always seemed to be the, the divide that separates a youth from an adult. I've been able to take what I spent my younger years learning and use it so others can depend on me. By the same token, I no longer depend on my father for my own livelihood. This, is a, a, this in no way means you stop learning. The things we learn are now applied to a more practical use to make a living or to make life easier. Learning as a use, sorry, learning as a youth was more collected and stored like data. Much much of it would never apply to our later years, but being a fully grown adult is knowing the difference between what knowledge is useful and what isn't. Mm. So so glad you guys dragged that one out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like Ed is sort of saying what I was saying in the show, which because I, I don't I think, you know, being an adult is is a role that you play in life. You know, it's one of many roles that you'll play in your life. And you know, if the idea of being a successful or fully grown adult is is playing that role as best you can, and the, you know, and the responsibilities that come with being an adult. You know, and most of us take on those responsibilities, and you know, and do it fairly well. Whether that's you know, doing work, you know, doing a job, paying your taxes, raising children, buying your groceries you know, eating healthily, like all those sort of things that, you know, are maybe not fun. You would things you would have thought about as a kid, you know, like when you're a kid, you don't necessarily want to eat healthily. You just want to eat for fun. Mm -hmm. You know, it's when you're an adult, that's when you know that you just have to eat vegetables and that's, that's the end of it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Quit arguing with yourself. You know, like those, those are the sort of adult decisions that you make in, in your life, you know, and not everyone can make the, make that transition as well. Like some people kind of get stuck at some point in their life and, and have a hard time moving on but anyway ed goes on sub question of the week what is the worst book to movie or tv show adaptation ed says i mentioned howard the duck last week but this question gives me an opportunity to elaborate on a theory i have about comic and superhero film adaptations oh very good okay please bear with me will do all right so up, everyone. now you have to visualize this draw draw a line down the middle okay doing it i'm physically doing it now okay oh, go great. ahead Comic book films on one side, okay. superhero films on the other. All right, very good. Even though they're usually categorized together, these two genres have always had a different approach from adaptation to film. 
Comic book films are the ones that have to bear a faithful representation to the comic. They have that one shot to actually look like the comic. The comic comes to life or it doesn't work. These comics don't give the opportunity to be adapted to any sort of interpretation. Their films have to look and feel like the comic. Some examples are Sin City, 300, Popeye, Dick Tracy, and of course Watchmen. It's vastly important that these films look like the original material because it was so vital to their medium as a comic. These films' directors will apply their own style to reflect the original vision of the comic when adapting it to the screen. So maybe George Lucas kind of screwed the pooch when Howard didn't look like the Steve Gerber comic. Who knows? All I know is that I had fights over Howard when it came out. <laughs> I don't remember fighting over it. I think everyone I knew agreed it wasn't very good. No, that was a rough. That was a rough ride. Uh, did uh, so when you had fights over it, you were against it, and your friends were for it. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, and please, please elaborate on that for us, Ed. I think the big. I think sorry, I'm just going to say really quickly about sure. Howard the Duck was Howard was uh, like a satire. Yeah, and uh, there was action elements, but it was all was wrapped around a satire. So mm. we'd fight like a cult leader. It would be like Doctor Bong. Uh, but it was like all about like you know uh, real things about you know Scientology or some other cult. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. but with the uh, the movie, it was just an action movie. It was a sci-fi action movie. Yeah. And there was no satire to it, and so you took the heart away from what uh, Howard. There was nothing for him to comment on. Yeah. You know, uh, he was just a grump and the new quack foo. It's like, oh, what the hell are we talking about? That was when he was doing a satire of Kung Fu, but like a lot of other satire <laughs> things, he can't just out of nowhere going, I know quack foo. Well, that means nothing. <laughs> just yeah. said. Yeah, That's just right. nonsense talk. You're right. Yeah. And I don't know. Do you feel like the concentration on the, f that the fact that Howard was a duck, it, it seems to be like the movie never like pretends, you know, like it feels like in the comic when you're reading it, it kind of gets lost that he's a duck. People just sort of treat him like he's Howard, you know. Well, it's so when he has a relationship with a human, it doesn't feel yeah. weird in the comic. It will. How they play that is because he's in New York and like it's New York. Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, the lady wants to have sex with a big duck. Yeah. Yeah. What are you gonna do? That's New York. But in the in the movie, it feels like they're always it's always all these jokes about him being a duck. Yeah. And so when that kind of comes to the film, it's kind of like what you know, boy, what the heck? This is not. <laughs> is not normal what's look going at on? this condom yeah, yeah it's like, oh boy oh boy is it, is it corkscrew shaped i know he's so a duck things. but he's a human duck you know he's like the mix of the thing, of the thing. Mm. and again the, the problem is yeah that you know you can't make him look like donald duck which he does look like donald duck in the original comics yeah yeah because you know disney didn't own marvel back then and they'd sue you so it made this freakish monster and it's just like woof yeah. Who's this demon? Yeah. Yeah. Problems. There's okay. lots of problems. All right. So now Ed goes on to say, mm -hmm. superhero films are different only because they're not limited to any one interpretation. Let's take our friend Batman, for example. Sure. Okay. We all know what Batman looks like. And he's been interpreted thousands of different times. Not only in movies, but in comics as well. You just have purple gloves. That's interpreted a thousand times in the past 80 years. There isn't one way of doing Batman since he's been written and drawn so many different ways by so many creators. So the director, we'll say Tim Burton, cherry picks the things he likes best about Batman and puts his own spin on it. It becomes a Tim Burton Batman film. Christopher Nolan did it. So did Zack Snyder. Sam Raimi did it with Spider-Man too, because Spidey, like Batman, has been done a thousand different ways. Raimi made Spider-Man using his own style, which... 
was no different than Steve Ditko or Todd Todd McFarlane doing the same thing. They were just they were just done using different mediums. To be honest, they'll be making Batman and Spider-Man uh, films till we're all dead and buried because of this style of adaptation and interpretation. They also make shitloads of money. Uh, so my worst superhero film adaptation, that would be the god-awful 20th Century Fantastic Four film from 2015, directed by Josh Trank. I worked with Fox's promotional partners, uh, promotional partners team on that film and it was unbearable i really loved our fox clients but they kept asking me what i thought about fantastic four and referring to me as an quote-unquote alpha fan i made i made up shit like i'm just as curious as you guys are and lied through my teeth to the client i never saw it in the theater only when it was on television except for the names of the characters and some shred of appearance they had it really isn't a fantastic four film at all no. It also seems unfair that the film took good actors like Miles Telfer, Kate Mara, and Michael B. Jordan, and kind of, and Jimmy Bell as well, don't forget, and kind of threw them under the bus. I'm sure they'll learn to put it behind them like Clooney did with Batman and Robin. I also think I just broke my vow I made with Watchmen back in 2009. Oops. <clears throat> P.S. for Ian. As an Oz reader from way back, look up the worst adaptation ever from 1969, The Wonderful Land of Oz. It's a very low-budget adaptation of the 1904 book by L. Frank Baum, The Marvelous Land of Oz, directed by an ex-quote-unquote nudie film director, Barry, Barry Mahone. My folks took me to see this when I was five and thinking it was a sequel to MGM's Wizard of Oz. My dad left the theater after seeing that the actor playing Jack Pumpkinhead was literally a guy with a pumpkin on his head. <laughs> Badly lit and incredibly cheap, my dad went... Uh, sorry... My dad went on for years about how bad this film was. He called it Jack the Pumpkinhead Forever until I was able to look it up online and find out what the real story was behind all the vague memories I had from it. It looked like a bunch of college kids filmed it in a garage, Dad would say. <laughs> and he was mostly right. It's really bad. See for yourself. And he includes he included a uh, link, which I will post on the website. So there you go. And that, I believe, is all. Let me just uh, page down a little bit here. Where did my... What happened to my mouse thingy? Here, oh, there's his arrow button. Well, you're not doing anything either. Oh, I think I'm at the bottom. There we go. That's it. The end. The end, says, says Ed. Yeah, that is interesting thinking of the difference between comic book movies and superhero movies because you also, you know, you have movies like Road to Perdition. You got Ghost World. You got um, the American Splendor. Yeah. That was an interesting, yeah. interesting film. And then you got superhero movies like uh, Hancock and... Mm. Uh, I'm trying to remember the one that was written by James Gunn recently that was kind of the dark. Oh, yeah, tape. Super. Well, there was Super, uh, there was Super, but there was another one. It was like Brightburn, I think it was. Oh, that's not written by him. He just produced it. Oh, he just produced it? Yeah, okay, yeah. Very good. Brightburn, yeah, yeah. I thought, it's, I thought you were saying Super. But also the no. specials. He did the specials as well. Which yeah, specials, good and he's in it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like, to, I like the specials, though. Don't watch the trailer because the trailer uh, spoils the only real superhero stuff that happens in there. So. Oh, is that right? No. Well, I guess they had to include that for the... No, that's a good so, movie. I found so it. At, to... I found it at Valley Village a few years ago. Oh, nice! I've got the I got the DVD of it and uh, enjoy it very much. Mm -hmm. um, Armando Iannucci, as uh, I'm saying his name wrong, uh, but he is the person I was talking about who you know did uh, the death of uh, Stalin. Uh, okay, yes, that is that is the in the loop guy. Yeah, he is the creator of the Day Today, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. which then spun off Alan Partridge and the many many Alan yeah, Partridge. He also did Time Trumpet. Time Trumpet uh, did Veep, uh, winning many Emmys mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Uh, currently, 
Uh, he is uh, he's he's done the uh, the personal history of David Copperfield. That's oh, that's right. I was right reading now. about that. That's a really that's a really interesting film. And there's a film that inadvertently, I'm sure, it wasn't thinking about this when it when they were casting it, but it falls into that uh, into that new Oscar uh, guidelines thing. Yeah, because it has you know it has um, uh, Dev Patel as uh, David Copperfield, so it has an East Indian or Indian actor playing the the lead character. It has. Um, has uh, black actors and actresses in it. It's uh, yeah, it's a quite quite interestingly casted film. Yeah, I, those, I, I those rules one. are uh, those rules are surprisingly easy to uh, to actually fulfill for every, for all the cursy alleys that are going like oh, it's like well, you know. First, well, first, first. it is it is. I mean, it is interesting. I I I don't know if I'm. I I guess it's it would be curious to like see like a, a like a new Jane Austen adaptation done with. And like uh, not not like Bride and Prejudice, you know, where you're, it's based in yeah. it's sort of cross a cross cultural film based in India and America, but so, something like like an actual like supposedly taking place in the time that Jane Austen was writing, you know, the late the late 1700s, early 1800s, um, but having like yeah, uh, people of color playing roles, it would be, that would be an interesting thing. Yeah, for all the the thing about like uh, to me like with with Pride Pride and Prejudice is. Uh, We've we've had uh, many versions of Pride and Prejudice yeah. already in yeah, film yeah. and TV, so it's like going like, well, wouldn't this limit? I'm not saying you're saying this, but someone who was arguing this point mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. go, wouldn't this limit a new production of Pride and Prejudice? Yeah, that would leave you with only all of the other productions of Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> as well as the book. Yeah, and I mean, you're right. And also, it's your choice if you if you just want to make it you know, in a, in sort of like a quote unquote authentic way, and just use an all white cast because that's what you know, would knock would, yourself out. Would would have been intended by Jane Austen. She wouldn't have wouldn't have thought about, and not that she would have. You know, not that she was hated other people, but just that you know that's how she wrote it. She wrote it to her times and culture. You know, you you're more than welcome to do that. It's just that it will fall outside of those guidelines, and you just take your chances, I suppose. Well, the thing, I mean, yeah, anyone who's like talking and, about it like it's censorship, which is just ridiculous, is that <laughs> it's going like, yeah, they're censoring you. No, they're not. It's yeah. an award. Yeah, it's, it's an award. It's an award. Yeah. So, it's like any award that you like, like I apply for dumb awards because they're the thing about awards is they help you promote your, your project. And that's why you do awards unless there's money, in which case, yeah, yeah. Mm, sweet, sweet money. Um, but every one of them has, you know, guidelines yeah. and it has something about like, Oh, you know, well, you've got to mention Quaker Oats if you want to qualify for the Quaker Oats, you know, a prize I'm like, all right, fine. You know, and the, and the, the actual, changes are so freaking minor that if you can't make those uh, you're not even trying and <laughs> and and if you don't want to make them don't yeah you know was your movie going to win an academy award anyway probably not if you're this you know if you're Kirstie Alley you know already <laughs> the people that are complaining about it it's yeah, just like yeah. oh I hope this doesn't cost James Woods uh, an academy award nomination in the near future he's been doing such great stuff lately <laughs> Cough, cough. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Justine Bateman. I don't, yeah, that's a really cough, Justine Bateman cough, came cough. out against it. Yeah, uh, she said I wouldn't want to be uh, part of casting anything that had these guidelines. Which you know, fine. I guess that's fine. But what? what why are you objecting to this? It doesn't make any sense. Like, well, you know, I think there's you know people that were going like, I don't want to be cast just because I'm a woman. I could see, I could see someone like going. Okay, eh, I mean, if, I mean, sure, that you know, I can see that. That's. 
you know, if you have some pride, maybe you, you don't want to just be like getting or prejudice or prejudice. You don't want to be just getting. You don't want to be given handouts. You know, you want to earn it on your own merit. But you know, at the same time, like we have, you know, Hollywood isn't a meritocracy. The best don't always get the best in Hollywood. You know, like there's are lots you of. Are you saying Chicago wasn't the best movie of the year? The movie, the, the year that it was the movie of the year. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. Okay, fair enough. Keep going. I, I've never seen it, so I don't want to comment on it. I just no, want to say not, one thing it's that not. it's a hell of a town, though. It's a hell of a town. Hmm. I, I've never been there, but New York is New I'm York. New York up. is really a hell of a town. I'm just sucking <laughs> up. The batteries down. <laughs> oh, I got to do a quick uh, plug. Oh, for please, Kathleen Gross's uh, adaptation of uh, Little Women. I was just thinking about that because I know Pride and Prejudice isn't Little Women. But I was thinking, like, could you do Little Women? Yeah. You know, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe you could. Maybe you could. Anyway, uh, you want to see a, a, a new version of Little Women? Our friend, uh, our friend Kathleen Gross has an adaptation of it uh, coming out that she's written and drawn yes. that's coming out in uh, September 22nd. So get to your local bookstore and order it. I have, and I'm looking forward to it. Back to Dave. Yeah, I got to do that. I was just thinking about that the other day, which I thought noticed a little thing that she'd done. Yeah, it's uh, called Joe. And it's a kind of an update, uh, Little Women, with uh, with her, her particular twist on it. So you should go get it because uh, we really like former friend of the show, Kathleen Gross. She's great. Yeah. She is yeah well, well, then why hasn't she been on since uh, episode four hundred? That's what I say. Why hasn't why? she been on? Yeah, you, you know what she did. Like a couple <laughs> of things went missing around the house. <laughs> she caused COVID. Yeah, that's what she said. She was storming out and just like, hope you like the COVID. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What did she say? You'll see. You'll see. And then off she went. And then she coughed on uh, Nick Park. Man, that was... What are you doing? Why would you do that? You did a nice... It was nice to have you on the show. And then she did that. And I was like, oh boy, we can't invite her back until this COVID thing is done. Until there's a vaccine for her. Yeah, for her. Just for her. Just for her. (laughs) I've I've completely lost track of what I was talking about before you. Uh... You were saying you don't like uh, anyone but white people in movies. That's what you're saying. <laughs> well, that's true. It's a well-known fact about me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I said from the get-go. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I read this in the paper this morning, and you know, I, you know, I work, I work during the day, so uh, I don't, I don't really get too much uh, Twitter time in and stuff like that. So I, I didn't know that there was. Uh, I, I imagine there would be some outrage, but I kind of thought the outrage would be from people from outside of Hollywood who are just upset because you know, you know now, now the Fast and the Furious is going to have colored people in it, you know, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like this is their objection or something like that. Like you know what I mean? Like this is a sort of ignorant takes. Like I didn't realize there would be people in Hollywood who like work in this and work in Hollywood are going to be objecting to it. It seems kind of weird to me. Okay, like this is only I'm, for the best, right? I, here's what I want from Fast and the Furious. Yeah. And this is- Sincere is could we get some people in it that aren't bald? Because <laughs> I don't know who's who. <laughs> do you do you have poor facial recognition software? It's just so many bald people, and then you know when they're in the cars, I don't know. Yeah, that's right. They all they're all the same height. Yeah, it's just all right. Is he the Rock? Is he Vin Diesel? Is he is he the the other guy? Is he Mister you know uh, Crank? Is it uh, Mister Crank? Is that oh, guy? that guy, yeah. Um, what's his name? The actor's name is uh... Uh, Cranky. Jason. <laughs> Jason Cranky. Jason Crankum. You're right. Yeah. Jason Statham. Nope. Crankum. Okay. Crank him if you got him. That's what I say. <laughs> hey, can I do a plug? You sure can. Yeah. Well, I talked to you about this a little off 
off mic uh, a couple times when we've been talking, but I'm going to announce it in for reals now. I did post it on on the website, and that is that I, David Dedrick, got to read some some short stories that were written for the Dirty Harry Minute. Mm. They did a kind of fun fan fiction episode where they got various uh, guests of the show who wanted to do so. They didn't force us or pay us, but, you know, they fell in between the two. And, and, uh, that what we did was we wrote stories that were kind of interstitial stories. So they're not, they're not related to the main action of the movie. They kind of fill in background details of, of the various characters and things that happen in the film. So is this like fan fiction, basically? It's like fan fiction, exactly. There's little short stories. Okay. Some of them detail, say, uh, the guy who sells hot dogs to Dirty Harry. All I, right. I wrote about the black guy who beats up Zodiac. Okay. Uh, so he looks like to make people think that he was beaten up by Dirty Harry. That's right. Other people wrote about the bus driver. So, you know, it's, so everyone kind of chose different elements of, of the story and they kind of, they kind of imagined scenarios around these characters and, and that sort of, that kind of fill in elements of the film that aren't, that aren't discussed. And it was a lot of fun. It was, I really enjoyed writing mine. I thought it was really fun. And so then um, the host of the show, uh, who, as we know, I prefer, I like to think of him as <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that again. Uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, Jonathan, he wrote. I was going to say the the name that we accident I actually named him one time because I I can't remember his name. And I just panically <laughs> made up a name on the air. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's so embarrassing. Anyhow, uh, and I like to bring up embarrassing past acts because I'm sure. a, you know why why let yourself forget it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asked he asked if I wouldn't mind reading them because I guess he I guess he wanted someone who had like some semblance of an American accent, which I don't because I'm, I live in Canada, but you know, so, all, you know, it's dirty, hairy, a, eh? I kept saying, and then, uh, but so I got to read all these stories. I think there's 13 of them. And so I read them all. And I learned a few things reading these stories. One is that it's hard to read a story and not make a mistake. <laughs> it's really hard to like read in a microphone and make mistakes. The second thing I learned is that I am unable to speak. That's mm. that's the second thing I, I learned. I I discovered that I I for the longest time thought that I had pretty good diction and was a good reader. And I've I've always taken pride in my and this is not something you should do in church, but I've always taken pride in my reading the lectionary on on Sundays. I always think I do a good job and that I'm very clearly clear spoken, but also make it interesting, you know. Okay. And and I learned that all of that is wrong. That I am actually a terrible reader with a mouthful of marbles. And so that that was also like kind of shocking. And then the other thing I learned is that uh, I don't want to do anything for Audible. Okay. Because it's a lot of work doing that stuff. It's hard. It's hard reading. Mm-hmm. It really is. Like I I kind of was filled with admiration for people who do it for a living and do it well. Although I imagine that there's an editor. Cause I had to go back through it all and like cut out all my false starts and times when I like got partway through the sentence and realized I'd lost the plot or maybe I didn't say it. I, my intonation was off in some way. You know, I was, I was uh, accenting the wrong part of the sentence, you know, perhaps. And, and so then I would like, you know, and I would just sort of like stop and then reread it. And then I had to go through and edit all that stuff and, and make it, make it work. So it was a, uh, it was a labor of love. And anyway, so if you go to Dirty Harry Minute, uh, it's available on their website. I'm going to put a, I'll post a link on, on the website so people can click on it there if they want and they can hear good old Dave and my lovely mellifluous marble-filled voice reading uh, these stories for Dirty Harry Minute. Very nice. I recommend it. The stories are a lot of fun. Uh, mine was best. My story was best. But, uh, you know, that's fine. <laughs> you know. 
It's, just, you know what? It's, it's an honor just to be nominated. It's an honor just to nominate myself. Is the yeah. An, all right, well, I'm going to throw a plug in then here too. No more plugs. We've all we're all plugged out now. Too bad because <laughs> we've got a book that's out right now. <gasps> a book. Yeah, it's a book called Sparks. Yeah, Double Dog Dare. Sure, it's the second book in the Sparks series. Okay. Uh, you colored it. I wrote it. Mm. Our friend Nina Matsumoto drew it. Yeah, and currently in Canada, it is the number four Canadian kids book uh, in the country. Oh. So, um, what are we? What are we in the United States? Uh, not to ask questions like that. So oh, the point okay. is, we're okay. We're doing okay. Uh-oh. We're doing okay. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is still kicking our ass. <laughs> Which, if you like the book, yeah. you might like that. Yeah, That might be what you're into. Mm. Um, I should stop saying that kind of stuff while talking about our kids' book. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, it's about uh, two cats that uh, dress up as a dog. And uh, they uh, normally uh, save people. But, hey, it's, it's seemingly uh, that dog is uh, causing some trouble. What's going on? Who knows? Uh, you will after you read this book. Yeah. I today I was. Um, I feel like I know. Yeah, you, you should because oh. you color. Oh, that's right. that's right. Uh, we also got some uh, some assistance from friends. There's a lot of love in the book uh, <laughs> from people, uh, so we appreciate that. Uh, today I had to go like I forgot to to get a copy from uh, from we have little a uh, couple of comps come in, and I was going to uh, use it for something that I'll tell you about another time. Uh, but I, but I was like, oh, I forgot. So I had to go to a bookstore yeah. and went into the bookstore and I was wearing a mask because, you know, one, I'm going to rob the place after <laughs> and also because COVID, but yeah. I was wearing a substantial yeah. mask that covered most of my face. Mm. And I asked, uh, I, someone came up and was like, can I help you when rightfully so I look sketchy. Uh, and, <laughs> and they asked for the book and they went, oh, uh, we sold, we sold out of that. Are you the author? Like immediately it was like, what, how do you. And um, the person who was working there met me and Nina about two years ago when we went to Victoria to promote the book. Oh, okay. And, and we went like table to table. With yeah, like, yeah. Colors. And was... went, hey, you like cats? Well, mm, this book. Oh, boy. I like, we like dogs. Oh, well, then oh, you're going to mm-hmm, <laughs> like this because it's got a, a dog. We like superheroes. Oh, well, boy, howdy. I'll tell you a thing or two. And then you'll enjoy <laughs> about, uh, and we like aliens. Fantastic. Yeah. I like Fifty Shades of Grey. We're leaving now. <laughs> Speed dating for authors. Yeah. So it was very, it was very sweet. And they, then they, they rang a bell. They rang a bell, and then he went to the next table. Yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, they looked, they looked. I'm well. Let's see if it's selling at any other uh, book warehouses uh, that we got. And looked it up, and it is sold out at all of them, and uh, also all the Black Bond books. So, wow. like, oh, that was nice yeah. to hear. Frustrating because I wanted one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but nice because it's, uh, it's doing well. But. Hey, that doesn't mean you shouldn't get a copy as well. I say you should. And uh, also, I uh, do a book called Exorcisters with Giselle Legacy. Uh, we just kind of finished up our 10th, which is uh, for now our last issue. Uh, but you can get them on at comicsology.com and look up Exorcisters, download it, and it's coming out as a trade in October. So those are my plugs. Nice. So yeah. Those are very good plugs. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you want to see, I, I do a, um, a monthly show called Critical Hit Show, which is a live action uh, Dungeons and Dragons style show. If you're interested in seeing that, uh, twitch.com slash Eric Fell, as in E-R-I-C-F-E-L-L, uh, will take you to our uh, past monthly shows. And you can watch those. Or when we do them live, you can watch them live on Twitch. And we do them on the last 
Wednesday of the month. Nice. There. Plug, 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 plug. And it's funny that as we were talking about Sparks, uh, Nina sent me some more pages for Sparks 3. So Excellent. She is a good person. How dare you judge her? <laughs> I, didn't, I, I didn't judge her. I... So so questions this week. Uh, have you got one? Because I got, I got a little bit of a one sort of inspired by what you just said. Okay. What is the question? Well, you said you uh, uh, were talking about what you take pride in. I would be curious, uh, what do people out there, our, our lovely listeners, take pride in? What is something that you do that you go, I do that really well. I'm very, uh, I'm proud of that. Uh, I would, uh, I would like to, I would like to hear your answer to that. What is something you take pride in? Was this my, was this my uh, exclaiming over, over my quality story for Dirty Harry Minute? Yeah. Yes. Well, I think that I. You know what? I'm I'm over false modesty, so I I'm just I'm going to sure. like, if I think something is good that I did, I'm going to say it. Sounds good. So pride. I I, I take pride in uh, both Exorcist Sisters and Sparks. There, I, I like both of those. I think those are good. I, I think take the I take pride in. Oh, I take pride in Sparks for sure. But I take pride in and doing Sneaky Dragon as well. I think this. There we go. I take pride that we've done this show for uh, this many years and we have never missed an episode. There you are. Well, I did once, but you. Uh, you have not. No, but I mean, you know, that that yes. can happen. But I mean that we, you know, instead of just going, oh, well, Ian can't do it. We might as well just not have one come up this week. No, I said, you know what? I'm going to do it on my own and just fill yeah, fill yeah. in that fill in that content. Yeah. And then you uh, basically talked a lot about how uh, uh, jet fuel uh, doesn't uh, melt steel beams. It was a very weird episode. <laughs> that you yeah. Stuff. I called it spare change. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sneaky cue, you called it. Sneaky, it was very weird. That sneaky this, zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, I would also throw in, uh, again, if you have one, this is fine. But we talked about uh, disappointing meals on the road. Uh, what, have you ever uh, had a disappointing road meal? You've been on vacation. Oh, you went in someplace. What did, what did you have and what went terribly wrong? Uh, it doesn't have to be terribly wrong, but, you know, a disappointing meal. So uh, what do you take pride in and a disappointing meal story would be great. I like both those questions. I have nothing to add. Sorry. All right. Well, if you want to uh, respond to us, here's what you do. You go to sneakydragon.com. This is what you do, see. Uh, get there. You get to that website. Okay. Now, listen. This is very important. You go to the episode that we were just talking about this on. What episode is that? Well, I'll tell you, friend. That was episode 458. Underneath each of our episodes, we have a little message board, and you can just type away to your heart's content. Look back. <laughs> fix the spelling mistakes. Look back again. No, I don't want to reveal that about myself. Look back again. Fix it some more. Then just hit send. Boom. Uh, it's going to be up there, and uh, we will read it probably on the air, unless it's in another language that we can't read. And we won't, because we can't. This, we just can't. So uh, there's that way of doing it. You can go email, uh, you know, as people do. And uh, to email us, you go to sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. I will repeat it, sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Uh, you can go to Twitter. No one does. Why not go there? Surprise us. Uh, we <laughs> sneaky underscore dragon. Uh, we'll go, what? Someone, what are you doing here? Oh, if you really want to surprise us, oh, boy, go back in time to Tumblr and go sneakydragon.tumblr.com. We will not even freaking believe it. We will not believe it. We'll just be stunned. We will, the next episode will just be us with our jaws open and go, is this a tribute to that silent song? And like, no, it is not. It is us being stunned that someone went to our Tumblr page and asked us a question on there or responded to a question. So there you go. Those are our, our options. Or if you see Dave on the street, just answer him directly from six feet apart <laughs> while wearing a mask. 
Um, you know what? I forgot. We did get a comment on on the uh, Facebook page, mm. and I wanted to to uh, talk about it a little bit. Please go for it. This was from Craig Tebow, who wrote, and he he said, and I'm sorry, I can't draw, I can't bring it up on my my laptop for some reason. I'm my pages is not working. I don't. Oh. Let me, let me press. Let me press my refresh. I will tell you something. My computer stopped working as well. I think uh, I try. Something's going uh, goofy goofums. Oh. Hey, hon, could I have my phone back, please? But um, Craig wrote, and he and his uh, point of his of his of his. Uh, Give comment, me the gist, Dave. The point of his comment was that uh, we were mispronouncing the word Nazi, and he said, oh. "I think we need to talk about the pronunciation of." And then he spelt it N A T Z I, as if to tell us that it's actually Nazi, Nazi, and so. Apparently, us saying Nazi is is uh, verboten, and we must pronounce it Nazi. So, but I want to point out, as I pointed out to him, um, I responded as Sneaky Dragon, and I said, uh, "It is pronounced with a with a, with the R as in Vaz." So, I think that made it clear to Americans how we pronounce uh, Nazi. Okay. Yeah. I have, I'm tra- I'm now trying to think like the uh, the way I would pronounce it is how uh, Mel Brooks would. Uh, don't be stupid. Be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party. I think that so Nazi. Yeah, Nazi. So, what, so what, yeah. what's the other way of uh, of saying it? Well, he spelt it like I say. He's uh, Craig spelt it N A T Z I. So Nazi. Yeah. All right. Let's let's see if that works. Don't be stupid. Be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party. Doesn't work. Doesn't flow. You've uh, I think we've ruined the the movie. The producers. So yeah. All right. So l- let me just okay. So um. Yeah, he says, we need a debate on the proper pronunciation of the word Nazi, N-A-T-Z-I. Okay. And I said, pronounce like the Oz in Vaz. That is the correct pronunciation of Nazi to me. Okay. Now, I don't see any, I don't see how that could not be understood by Americans, the word Vaz. All right. Let's, uh, let's ask people then, how do you pronounce it? Yeah. I guess that's our third question. Yeah, it's weird having a Nazi question as a third question, <laughs> but all right. There you go. You know what? It takes all kinds, I suppose. Yeah, and they were the ones who fought the Allies, right? <laughs> they fought the Allies. There, there you are. So anyway, those are our three questions. You know how to reach us. <laughs> we're running out of gasoline and fuel and all the things that give us energy. We're all done. Um, so we're going to stop. Oh, are you saying you haven't eaten dinner yet? What's that? You haven't eaten dinner yet? You know what? I have not. And, oh. Uh, I'm going to be making um, some some pork chops with a little uh, uh, some white beans, and uh, it's again it's a recipe from the iPad that uh, and I don't normally cook pork chops. I haven't cooked pork chops in my life until last year for the very first time. Um, but uh, I'm going to be. Were you, were you a little a uh, little um, hesitant to cook them? Uh, because of the uh, because of the risk of like basically if you undercook beef, hey, that's great. Yeah. If you undercook cook chicken, you're dead. Yeah. Uh, and if you had to cook pork, it used to be also like things are bad. But c- pork has smartened up a little bit. Yeah, so I think can... they're I think they're they're a lot better with the uh, with their meat preparation now that they don't have to worry yeah. about some of that stuff. We are we are trying to do uh, more veg as well. So just throwing that out there to our vegetarian listeners, we are trying. But uh, right now, uh, just going through some old recipes uh, for comfort, uh, and uh, so going to be making uh, that after. Nice, this. nice. Have you eaten already? Yes, we had uh, we had a, a cheap pizza for for lunch. 
Or for dinner, 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 dinner. Pizza two, 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 two. Well, just have one from the freezer. We, this because no pizza one was two, home. Two, 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 doesn't exist anymore. So no one got home before five forty-five today, and so I didn't. You know, we start recording at seven, so I did not have time to uh, to do a full meal prep and then eat it and everything. So and uh, and I'll be see- I'll be seeing you for another meal. Uh, you know, at a at a friend's place. Uh, we're going to be very sensible. We're mm-hmm. going to be very separate, yep. uh, but uh, we're uh, going to have a lovely time celebrating our friend uh, uh, David Fine's birthday. Yes, so, that'll be fun. Looking forward to, to that. Also, a guest who was on the 400th episode and again got coughed on by uh, Kathleen Gross, <laughs> who just went, you'll understand this later. I'm like, really? And, uh, and, so and we said to her, what is this for? And she went, to promote my book, Joe. <laughs> Yeah. That's coming out in September. It's like you're spreading a disease to promote the book. You'll get it. You and I mean I hope I don't get it. But like she went to you'll understand. Yeah, yeah. Saying. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, whatever. She wanted it to go viral. So all right. <laughs> I don't I don't think I don't think she really got how that works. Yeah, but, it's uh, a misunderstanding of the the anyway. Yeah, I'm not I'm not one to judge. You know, listen, at least no one got hurt. Um <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here fast. Uh, I've been Ian. I've been Nazi. Not having fun. No, <laughs> this flies. No matter what. Huh? Yeah, it's like I don't know. I can't remember what movie it was now, but I was looking at some movie and I was like, "That movie came out eight years ago." <laughs> what, what movie was? I this? can't remember now. Is this? It wasn't quite that long ago. It was more like. Oh, it was a. Was it the John Cusack movie, two thousand and twelve? That's right. That movie came out eight years ago. No, uh, I was actually sooner than that. It was um, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, okay. And it's like four years old now, or something like that. Oh, that's ridiculous! I know, right? Like it just, yeah. wasn't it? La- it was at last year's Oscars, right? No, it wasn't. It was not. It, it was not at all, Dave. It is. Uh, yeah, it's t- time. It, it's all timey wimey. Doctor Who prepared us for this. Nothing makes sense. It turns out Steve Miller was right. Time yeah, we, does keep on ticking into the future. All we need to do is all just regenerate. And we'll all be fine. Some of us, the sex might change. We might get older. We might get younger. We don't know. Yeah. Become a jerk. But, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> sure. Sure. I hope you become a jerk. Mm. Which jerk? Um, Colin Baker. Uh, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah. He was a bit of a jerk. Was... Uh, Christopher Eccleston. He was a bit of a jerk. Uh, yeah, I could do more of the Christopher Eccleston. Colin Baker had that terrible suit. Yeah. Well, Eccleston's coming back for... Uh, for some audio dramas now, so uh, he's 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 back on board with being the doctor, so it's fine. Oh, he needs some money, hey? No, no, you know what? I don't think so. I think unless he's got the worst, you know, kind of habits, <laughs> like really bad, bad, mm-hmm. like snorting diamonds habits, he's uh, he should be okay. He's done a lot. Oh yeah. Well, think about like the you know the original episodes of Cracker, the Robbie Coltrane Cracker, and he was the police. He was like the police guy in that, kind of like the hard, hard nose, you know, detect DI or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's a long time ago. That's like 
well, at least the 2000s, if not the before the 2000s. And I know people aren't a huge fan of it, but Thor 2 made some money. And, you know, <laughs> you get residuals. Was he, the, was he the elf in that? He was the villain, yeah, in Thor 2. I did not know that. Yeah, he was the villain. And uh, so, you know, he gets some uh, dough off the toys. He gets some dough off the bag. And he did a bunch of stuff, yeah. We should talk about it on the air or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. Here we go. All right. Just let me know when to begin and I shall.